My name is Lily. Welcome to Crave the Podcast. This week we are in our second week of our bracket challenge. Um, it's going to be even longer than the last episode, so we're looking at four or five hours for this one. So buckle in. Um, maybe you're on a long car ride. That's great. Um, but yeah. So why don't we introduce ourselves just for old time's sake. Um, Zach, you want to go first? Is there, um, is there a question we're answering this time? Ooh. Favorite pot. Pot? Favorite pie. Pie. <laughs> pie. Yeah, yeah. Pie. Favorite pie. Mm-hmm. Favorite pie. Me. I'm Zach. Hello. Um, favorite pie. Oh, I'm always a sucker for a nice pumpkin, but it, apple is always good as well. Can't go I wrong said, there. Sorry, I don't know if the question was unclear, but I did say one pie. Um, so. Okay, fine. A pumpkin apple pie. <laughs> you happy? Never. Um, okay, pumpkin pie then. Okay, now I'm happy. You did it, Zach. Riley, do you want to go? Um. Yes. Hi, I'm Riley. Um. And my favorite pie is probably the first time I had cherry pie was Thanksgiving. So it's my new favorite. I like cherry pie my dinner i don't even know if you heard that um let's see jake hello i am jake and i am also gonna say cherry pie that is the correct answer yeah callian yeah um i'm callian and i gotta go with strawberry rhubarb but though i will say the apple pie at the c4c i don't know if you guys have ever had it that is a great pie that is a great apple pie i don't trust that it's actually really good you can ask them to warm it up and put um some ice cream with it tips and tricks what do you think of those like like fried apple pies from mcdonald's oh those are so because those are good they're They're so hot they just burn your mouth yeah it's like lava yeah you're a child strawberry rhubarb is my final answer i'll accept that um only zach failed me this time but as always Yes, we will continue the episode. Um, oh, Wait, what's your favorite pie? Oh, I'm Lily. And my favorite pie is also probably cherry, maybe a blackberry. Um, I know I said one pie, but it's I'm hosting, so I make the rules. So would you like to share the bracket? Not after you did me like that. <laughs> I need a quick cry break before we get into this piece. Zach can cry. We'll look at the bracket. So of this week, we have To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar versus Pinata by Freddie Gibbs. And then next, we have Puberty 2 by Mitski versus Circles by Mac Miller. And then Evil Friends by Portugal the Man versus Melodrama by Lord. And then our Kanye face-off, My Dark Twisted Fantasy and Life of Pablo. Ooh, do we, can we start with Kanye? Can we go from the bottom up? I just, I have a lot of feelings about Kanye that I want to get out of my chest before <laughs> we get into the other ones. I wonder if anyone like that we don't know will ever listen to this and like base our entire personalities based off of like the, the questions at the beginning of episodes. We are influencers now, so I think there's a pretty high chance. Like, do you think that based off the questions at the start of these episodes, like, someone get an accurate representation of who you are? Yeah, I think everybody hates me. Just like real life, so yeah, okay. 
but they don't I listen to i listened to the three cheese clip literally like five times in a row <laughs> it was so fun hey you guys can't complain i'm giving us content okay <laughs> Italian's like my favorite pies, chicken pot. <laughs> That's a missed opportunity right there. Roll it back, roll it back. Roll it back. <laughs> so I have dyslexia and therefore I'm terrible at reading aloud. But I'm going to send in the chat what Jivan said about my dark twisted fantasy. If one of you kind, beautiful people would be so nice as to read this for me. I can read it if you want. I did the other, um, I did Pablo. So let's start with Dark Fantasy. So Jivon um, sent this in to us and he wrote um, that he likes it because Kanye is my favorite artist of all time. And this album best represents why. His ability to mix genres and styles while maintaining his bold personality makes Kanye stand out to me. The album flows incredibly well and does a great job of balancing his ego with his internal struggles. I believe more than a piece of music, this album is a work of art. It tells a story of a man who has lost his image and his fame to his own actions and how he can gain that back by continuing to innovate. The album has something for everyone, and artists from Jay-Z to Elton John and Bonnie Iver uh, make great appearances. There is nothing that can make this album more of a masterpiece, and for that reason, in my opinion, it is the best album of the last decade. What was Elton John on? Um, and his little blurb for this is my beautiful fantasy. Oh, he's on all the lights. That makes sense. There are a lot of people on that song. Okay. Yeah, I think Rihanna's in there too, right? Yeah, Rihanna, John Legend, Kid Cudi, a lot of. All right. Uh, let me just read Jivon's blurb. Um, he says, "My beautiful dark twisted fantasy is Kanye West's magnum opus." In 2010, after being exiled from society due to the VMA incident where West interrupted Taylor Swift, Kanye fled to Hawaii to record the album that would eventually save his career. West brought in hundreds of collaborators and friends, perfectly assembling them on an album that demonstrates uh, what Kanye does best, be Kanye. The record is maximalism at its finest, demonstrating uh, West's knack for sampling and his ability to layer vocal harmonies as part of an instrumental. The rapping on the album is top-notch, with every song being full of illusions and symbolism. His ego shines through, as it always does. However, West always shows signs of humility on songs like Runaway and Blame Game. The album is truly a work of art and transcended what hip-hop can be in a modern era. For Life of Pablo, my little blurb was Kanye West's seventh studio album was released in early 2016, featuring a range of sounds um, and marked the permanence of the new Kanye sound moving forward. That's partial in my opinion. I think it's debatable. Um, and I said that I like it because T-Lop is undeniably, um, nope, let me start over. I can't read today either. So Lily, you probably would have done a better job. Um, why I like it. T-Lop undeniably represents a defining moment in 2010's music. Kanye West's brash and unapologetic lyrics mixes with his unrivaled production abilities and creates a distinct yet familiar body of work. Coinciding with the 2016 election and giving birth to many pop culture references and even memes that in many ways normalized new Kanye's unique approach to the music creation process. Um, though we had hints of his manic ego and the underlying bipolar disorder in, his pre in previous albums, T-Lop made it apparent that Kanye was suffering the effects of something deeper than the general public was aware of. Though it would take a couple more albums for us to learn of the specific diagnosis that he claims. 
T-Lop for me represents a shift in music, uh, in the music industry that allowed rap and pop to blend and become a mainstream sound for artists who subscribe to both spheres and made it acceptable for mainstream artists to work outside of the status quo. Very well said. Yeah, that's really why I was intimidated. I looked at the length of them and I said, <laughs> I don't think I can read that. So thank you, Callian. Um, do you want to go first? Do you want to tell us your, I'm sure, strong opinions for God knows which album? It's very unclear yeah. at this point. Yeah, yeah, I'll go, I'll go first. Um, I, I really quickly ask a question. This is what yeah. I was going to bring up last week, but since we didn't get to this half of the bracket, I didn't. No, I'm pretty sure Jivon put his in first, right? If Jivon did not say pop, sorry, if Jivon had not put in fantasy, would you have put in, I guess that's kind of a spoiler, would you have put in fantasy or Pablo? I, yeah, that's what I was going to say first. I, I definitely lean towards fantasy um, personally. I think it has more to do with kind of Kanye's resurgence in kind of the pop culture sphere. And it's definitely just, to me, it's a more cohesive album all the way through. Um, it feels like there's a lot more intention behind every single feature, sound, song, lyric. There's just a lot more intention in fantasy. Um, but at the same time, I think Pablo is a pretty close second, um, at least in the Kanye discography for me, because like I said in my blurb, like it's just, it coincided with so many like things just in general culture, um, especially in the US. Like you have the election, um, you have kind of this super like surge of meme culture on the internet. Like it was there before a little bit, but I feel like kind of 2015, 2016, we started to really see it be like memes are everywhere and that's a lifestyle for people, you know? Um, and just kind of, it, it just kind of coincided with a lot of huge major shifts in pop culture um, and the music industry. It kind of, you have a lot of artists now who are making albums that are a lot more random sounding, that are a lot more fluid in terms of genre, that are a lot more indirect in terms of messaging and lyrics um and that kind of like they kind of jump around um between different styles and sounds and you know you have artists who are feel now i feel like they're able to kind of broaden their their sort of scope of music creation and i feel like a lot of that has to do with a life of pablo's success um just because it was so huge but i do think that fantasy is the better album um, as far as just a classic, well-sequenced, well-put-together, super-intentional body of art, fantasy is just so hard to beat. Um, even if you don't like Kanye, I feel like you can respect fantasy because it's just, you, and, and you know, and Jiwon put it in his blurb, like, he was in Hawaii to record this album, and he individually, I, I'm pretty sure he individually flew out every single artist to record their feature, all the sound engineers, like he did it all from the same studio and he had everyone do it in person with him. Didn't, he did not like, you know, back out on any sort of costs or anything. Like he went all out on that album and you can tell. The production is top notch. The features are top notch. The only feature, which I will say is the worst feature maybe in history is uh, Jay-Z's on Monster. That hurts a little bit. I think Why? it's- Why, what? Ugh, is that a common opinion? He's like goblins and ghouls. And I'm like, oh, what is that? It's I've, like heard Halloween that I've heard that opinion before, but I, I don't mind that feature. I hate but, it. 
but everything else on the album is like top notch. Um, but I can be swayed depending on what other people think, but I have a feeling that fantasy is going to edge out Pablo and it usually does, I think, for most people. So that's what I thought. Yeah, that was not actually as overwhelming as I thought it was going to be. I thought you were going to be like, Pablo, because I said it. Um, so good for you. Um, Thanks. Let's see, Riley, do you want to go? Yeah, um, I guess I'll just start by saying I have never been like, like, I think I'm going to have a hard time with this side of the bracket because I just don't know that much about rap. And I don't know that much about Kanye or Freddie Gibbs or Kendrick Lamar or any of them, except for just like, kind of like, I just don't have the vocabulary to talk about them a lot of the time. I'm kind of like, yeah, I like this. or like, I don't really know. Um, one thing I did notice about um, like something that just I was thinking about on um, Twisted Fantasy was I thought it was really cool how um, I also didn't know that Kanye had bipolar until today, um, which I just was like, whoa, crazy. Um, but it's disputed, like he was diagnosed and came out as saying like, oh, I have bipolar. Mm-hmm. Maybe come out as the wrong word. But he publicly said like, oh, I have bipolar and all of that. And then I think recently he said, no, they misdiagnosed me. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of debated. Um, I, he still kind of claims it, but he also it's kind of like it's not true. Um, I, I feel like he said that like as a public statement, just kind of as a like a PR type of thing, like probably had a publicist tell him, hey, you've been doing a lot of really whack shit lately. Uh, you should probably come up with a reason why so that people don't hate you for it. Well, also like the diagnoses, but now we're getting into the holy not music, but the diagnoses of like bipolar and ADHD and autism and like a bunch of other things are all super overlapping and like just depending yeah. on like literally who you are, like if you're male, female, black, white, like you get a different diagnosis. So like, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, it's really hard to, and like, if he's not claiming it anymore, then like, okay, but I think he's still sort of, yeah. Anyway, um, I think what I noticed on Twisted Fantasy was like, I was just thinking about like my own music taste and how whitewashed it can be a lot of the time and how it's really difficult for like anybody but a straight white man in a lot of the music that I listen to, to like penetrate into like rock and roll spaces, punk spaces, um, just like a lot of the music that I like, it's hard for anybody outside of the straight white male, I don't know, just to be able to create art in that same realm um, without it being like deemed lesser. Um, So when I was listening to Fantasy, I was just like, all of the different collabs that they had on there were just so awesome because it was just like, you have just about everybody. Like you have somebody from women he had people of color he had elton john for god's sakes he had different ages he had like i think a lot of the lyricism was also like appealed to people of different socioeconomic standings like obviously it was really um like focused on just racial injustice as it should be but it was just like i don't know it just made me think it made me feel very introspective um so I didn't really have the same reaction with Life of Pablo. I was kind of just like, yay, you're having sex with Kim Kardashian. Like her ass is so huge, like good for you. But like, I don't know, it just, it, 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 his, 
he him as a person I have a little bit of trouble with just because he's so cocky and he's just like constantly talking about pussy 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 and there was a bit like here and there I was like misogyny but um yeah the life of Pablo I think I noticed it more where I was like "Eh," kind of just being a twat so (laughs) that was how I felt I thought I life of Pablo was my favorite but I also wanted to ask um Jake if you could explain a little bit more why you're into uh auto-tune that would be good because I it really turns me off and I know that a lot of people like it and like see it as a really cool instrument and I just would like to be a little educated because I just don't like it so I really like auto-tune uh you even said it there I think it really is just like a great way to like make a voice an instrument because I don't know I feel like that's all a voice really is is an instrument and if you really want to like break down, like get to like the tiniest level, it doesn't matter if it's a guitar, a sample, a keyboard, it's all just little little waves that are bouncing around in your ears. And so I, I think a lot of the reason that people like have kind of painted it as this like, just like thing that people do when they don't have any talent. Uh, that's like one of the reasons that I think that like culturally it's just look so looked down upon is that it's like seen as a crutch rather than like a creative choice which nine times out of ten is what it is and there's also like a misconception about what autotune itself is because a lot of people the thing that is like talentless and like oh you're not a good singer that's like pitch correction which is just a separate thing from autotune which is like a different effect uh so it's not even the same thing when like people are are looking at it from that angle but I just think, uh, yeah, I think uh, a voice is an instrument. And I, I think that affecting instruments in different ways uh, is like one of the interesting things about how like electronic music has evolved this century. And so it just kind of makes natural sense to me that the voice would also be uh, tweaked in, in certain ways as it is with things like autotune and vocoders and talk boxes if you're like you know going back in time they're like all just like kind of different building blocks different tools basically that's 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 how I I look at auto no that totally makes sense because it's like it sounds like a guitar pedal to me yeah that's it it really is it's mm -hmm. just an effect on a little wiggly wave that Mm -hmm. sounds good in our eardrums Hmm. oh cool well I just yeah really unrelated to anything but it just makes me laugh have you guys watched um t-pain on the mass singer like i don't think anyone watches the mass singer but if you heard t-pain i've seen some i think i've seen it but uh i i love t-pain and it just makes me laugh so much that he had to like do a whole like he had to go on a whole show be masked for multiple weeks to like show everyone that he can like actually sing he was like look i don't need auto-tune i choose to use it but he yeah did a whole Mass Singer stunt to like prove that. And I just think that is like hilarious. And he's he's had to prove it multiple times too, yeah. like throughout his career. Like, like I didn't know he was on the Mass Singer actually. I definitely want to watch that. That sounds really funny. But like his tiny desk is phenomenal. He is a phenomenal singer. And people, a lot of people just like wrote him off as like having no talent, can't sing. And also Kanye a phenomenal has- Phenomenal songwriter. No, yeah. And, and Kanye's actually, at times, a surprisingly decent singer as well. What do you, what yeah, do you I was surprised. 
by his voice. I, I was like, okay, Kanye, you got kind of a nice voice. I don't know. I just yeah, like on, on Jesus is King, you can kind of hear his his uh, mm-hmm. more natural singing voice a little more, and it's actually it's not great. It's not stellar. He's not a superstar, but like. <laughs> I mean, he's no Chris stars, Martin, no Coldplay. But singing wise, he's not a superstar for his singing. Yeah, that's for one more thing. Oh, Coldplay. sorry. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I'm just saying his voice is, is actually pretty good. His natural voice. Yeah. Um, and going back to the T Pain thing, yeah, T Pain is actually a great singer. Um, and I think he did a talk like way back when he when he like first started using auto tune because people were like, "Why are you using auto tune, T Pain? Like, can you just not sing, bro?" Um, and he was like, no, like I choose to use it. And he was kind of criticizing a lot of other people who use it, um, especially newer rappers. He was like, yeah, they don't really use it right. They don't really use it the way I use it. I kind of use it just as like an artistic choice. And a lot of these guys are just using it and screaming into it and putting like a formant and pitch correction and just kind of using it like that, which isn't wrong. Um, I, I don't think he would probably say that still, but like, um, it's definitely a different way of using it. I think that's kind of the common notion is that you just have this dude who can't sing and he gets in the booth and they auto-tune the crap out of him and then it comes out sounding like some sort of thing out of like Wally or something, you know? And it's like, that's not a voice. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Jake. Sorry, Riley, I derailed us so much. Were you done with your <laughs> Kanye review? Okay. <laughs> okay, then yeah, Jake, why don't you go? I feel a little differently about about these albums. <sighs> I don't even know where to start. I don't even know where to start. I'm gonna start by kind of you 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 mentioned this in your blurb, Callie, and how it was uh, not everyone would agree with it. And I have to say, <laughs> I personally don't really agree with it. But that's fine. That's totally fine. I love the life of Pablo, but I. I don't see it as being such a like influential, uh, important, I guess, work the same way that like fantasy or really honestly 808s and Heartbreak is I think his most influential album. That's not from this decade, so it's not a part of this conversation, but I think that's really his most influential. I also think fantasy is influential in the way that it is like this maximal mashing of like different genres and different artists from different spheres like it really I think that album is him not really giving a fuck about what kind of music he's supposed to make and I think that honestly is a really big tone setter for this whole decade um like in pop in rap in like everything like the genre is just becoming less and less important things are just like fusing together or like being completely on their own people are making just kind of whatever music they want and like that has a lot to do with streaming and just like all these different ways of accessing and making music uh but I also think it helps when someone in the mainstream like Kanye uh makes an album that is as off the walls yeah as, as fantasy and uh Pablo I think is a little to me I perceive it as being a little more derivative of like the trends at the time uh and not quite so like boundary pushing like I think working with producers like Metro Boomin and Chance the Rapper and like these like new uh popular trap producers and stuff on a lot of those songs uh it makes a lot of sense and I think they're really great songs but I don't think it's quite as like boundary pushing I don't I don't to me at least I don't I don't perceive it that way but 
Um, all that being said, I actually do at this point in time prefer the life of Pablo to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. I really just love the like, I don't know, the sonic palette that it has. I feel like it's it's very different for Kanye. I think it it it's got it's got some like trap, it's got some some like house tracks. And I just want to say that I think Kanye, the only way Kanye could make a good album at this point is if he just made like a house album because he has so many like unreleased house songs that he's like played at Sunday service or like uh, we're going to be on other albums that didn't get released or like lift yourself like that, that like kind of housey hip hop style. He's so good at it. And I, he's never like really leaned into it. It's only like, appears here and there on little tracks uh and you know he's from chicago and chicago is one of the like birthplaces of house so it just it, i feel like it would be pretty sick if he made a house album but i digress i i i really like this album i love some of the features i also i'm gonna second what riley says this is probably his most unfortunate album lyrically uh in terms of some of the misogyny some of the very confusing messages about like all right i'm gonna go back in time here 2004 to like 2007 ish you have working class based kanye making sick uh political songs that are like uh defending uh, marginalized people and working class people and against like warmongering presidents and all this stuff really great stuff and then like on I think it's Saint Pablo I meant to write or like write the lyrics down but he says something about like how can you really be the owners if your boss makes a salary and all this stuff I'm like okay nice nice and then that same song he's talking about being a billionaire and like his Nike checks and it just doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense it it's contradictory uh it's I I guess we're not sure if he has bipolar disorder but it feels very bipolar uh, a lot of these songs and messaging on this album. So I guess I don't really have a great reason for why I like it more than Fantasy, because I do agree it's more cohesive. Um, I, I honestly think maybe part of the reason is like these were the first two Kanye albums I ever listened to, and I listened to them both a crap ton, and just in general don't go back to these ones as much, because I think I listened to them too much back in the day. But yeah, um, I, I think that's like pretty much all I have to say. I'm, I'm going with, with Pablo. I don't know if I have a great reason for it, but that's out. I think I, I agree with what you're saying. I, I'll be short here. I know Zach and Lily still have to talk, but um, I'll be short. I think that I agree. I think that from an objective standpoint, Fantasy is a better album. Um, it's better body of art. It's more cohesive. It's better work. But I think that the kind of underscored reason that people like Pablo more sometimes is because like it's just so raw and it just it pulls something out of you like some side of emotion out of you that you can't really describe like it's very mm-hmm. like there's very few albums that you can listen to that give you the same feeling as life of pablo especially if you listen to it all the way through yeah. which is a really hard thing to do because it's there's so many different feelings throughout right yeah i think that's why it's so likable because it puts you through this entire like tornado of different emotions and feelings and thoughts and you know um, sounds that all of a sudden you're like whoa what just happened that was really cool Um, I think a lot of that comes from his vocal performances on on that album like Mm -hmm. like just screaming on like 
freestyle four and um what's the other one that's like really oh feedback like just like super unhinged like he really like goes a lot of places with it i totally agree with you there uh i sorry i'm gonna say a few more things because i am remembering a few more things now i just want to talk a little bit about the production of each because they both kind of have their own lane their own kind of world that he makes with the album freaking we got mad lib we got Charlie Heat, we got Metro Boomin. So a really diverse palette on Life of Pablo. And then I think on uh, Fantasy, some of the like standout things to me are like Mike Dean on like Devil in a New Dress, that guitar solo is amazing. Uh, some of the like Bony Bear production like gives like uh, Lost in the World, like this really haunting epic feel that you don't get with like a lot of uh, Kanye music. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to keep talking about this forever. I probably could. I think I think we're gonna Zach. Are you ready? Are you ready to? Am I ever us... ready? I don't know about that I know, one. Yeah, but... don't worry about it. Just tell us your feelings. I think that you guys have all said basically all the bigger picture things. I don't really know if I have much to add there, but I will say that I think personally that um, with fantasy, it definitely feels. I think maximalist, like in G-Bone's way, was a good way to describe it, where there's a lot going on. And I do think it's a very cohesive album. And there's definitely songs on there that I like a lot. I don't, I'm not quite sure why I spent today trying to figure this out. Like I re-listened to these albums a lot. But with Pablo, I'm definitely more drawn to it. And I think that's, I will say it's very inconsistent. I think the highs are pretty high and there's like a few of them, but then there's some songs that are just awful. Um, but I do have to say, I think I like, bit, like, I think you guys cover everything about the kind of like influence and the lyrics, especially Riley. Um, but this like purely like from a sound perspective, I really like Pablo. I don't know, like there's nothing really in fantasy that pulls me in production wise like it's good and I know objectively it's good but I think I'm definitely just more drawn to the sound of Pablo and some of the songs on there I will also say that I think Pablo is probably the only Kanye album that I have like or the first Kanye album that I like had listened to straight through and I remember like it coming out on title and all of that drama I feel like what's something we haven't talked about yet is all the like changes that were made to it which I think is interesting um because I was listening through it. This is probably the first time in years I've actually listened through the entire album. And um, there were songs where I was like, I don't remember that being there. Um, and I think that that's interesting. Did you have titles, Zach? I had it. I got the free trial when the album came out. Go off, okay. I was Continue. like, I had just Sorry. got my wisdom teeth pulled. And I was like, at home. And I was like, new Kanye <laughs> album on some pain meds could be fun um <laughs> so I listened to it first when it first came out and then I didn't really listen to it much all the way through afterwards like I just listened to the song that I liked the best off it like ultralight beam or like wolves and so going back through it I was like kind of surprised and I was like huh yeah I don't know if I have too much more to add except I just think that the sounds on Pablo really do draw me in a lot more than like fantasy like I think fantasy is objectively good and so much better like front to back but it's just, I don't know, maybe it's me, 2021. That sound doesn't really appeal to me much. 
I think they're also just a minimalist at heart. Yeah, that, yeah that sure. is true. <laughs> like Lost in the World, I think it's fantastic. I love mm-hmm. Bonnie there, but that song, like it seems like a song that I would like a lot, but I'm just kind of eh about it, you know? I'm like, I feel like I have higher expectations for what this song could have been than what it actually was. Hmm. Just because, like, I think I would have expected something else, and I would have liked to hear something else. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I I have a lot of thoughts about Kanye, which are mostly that I like deeply, deeply, deeply hate him with every fiber of my being because of like everything that he is and everything that he chooses to be. <laughs> like, I I hate. The, the, Kardashian like him and the Kardashian culture and all of that like I think that is just like so now yeah hopefully I mean have they confirmed that I think so right it's still like pretty speculative at this point Uh I don't like think either of them have ever like actually addressed it at all yeah I think never mind never mind what's happening are they getting there are rumors that Kim Kardashian and Kanye West are going to be divorced yeah, I can understand why. Yeah. yeah. And like the, the running for president, not only in 2016, but also oh, in 2020. Yeah. Like, it just it all hurts me so deeply and so many things about him. But I do think that something he does that like absolutely deserve credit for is making like hip hop palatable to white people. Like, and my dark twisted fantasy like was that that was like pop enough that like white people were like oh my gosh this is great what is this everyone else is like fucking hip-hop what are you talking about um and i i think that album is like really really good at what it does and then life of pablo for me is like very weird to listen to knowing that he was like in the midst of his like 2016 presidential run which i just like makes me very angry because like what of all people, how are you the one to do this? Um, and I also feel um, like medium uncomfortable about like all of the Christianity in that album. Like I totally support his religion and his like want and ability as an artist to like talk about his religion, but I just, it's not something that I can particularly relate to. And it makes me feel um, slightly uncomfortable also because of the like pushback that Christianity particularly Catholicism was getting like in 2015 and 2016 because of all of the news about the um, priests particularly in Boston but like all over the place just like a lot of things that I think he does are like sort of tone deaf and I think Life of Pablo is like the embodiment of that where like when I listen to that album I can only think of everything else that like was happening and like Riley said the misogyny too lyrically is like hard for me to really get into and I I do I know I've I've said a lot of negative things but I do like both of these albums like overall um but I think that Kanye like was trying to be a celebrity in the time of like the cultural monolith. And now that we're not in the cultural monolith, I don't know how much like of a place he has for like my understanding of 
hip hop and like I am remiss that we have two Kanye albums on this list so we have like no chance no childish Gambino no Brockhampton like no like so many artists and genres that aren't represented um overall I think that I like my beautiful dark twisted fantasy just ever so slightly better anyone feel free to respond to any of that I know that was maybe some well, yeah, I mean, that's why I never listen to Kanye ever is because him as a person turns me off so, so deeply and in so many ways. And I also, but I also had the thought of like, you know, some of the artists that I listen to, like they have done terrible things as well. So it's kind of hard to be like, is it justifiable to separate the artist from the music or is it not? Because I just like, I, I will say I did enjoy both albums a lot more than I was expect, expecting to because I just dislike him as a person so deeply. But um, if anybody has anything positive to say about it, like, <laughs> yeah, you want to add a positive? Oh, go you first. Oh, thanks. No, I was, I was, it's, it's quick. I, I was talking to a friend once about this like whole kind of thing about how Kanye is such like a, he's such a great artist. Like there, there's few people of this generation of musicians, I think, that can really stand up to his vision, his artistic vision and creativity and ability to put a really good project together. Um, but I think what we agreed on um, was that like, we could never be his friend. Like, I can listen to every single Kanye project that comes out and be like, wow, this is really good. This is really great. If I saw him like at a restaurant or something, I would never go up to him and be like, yo, Kanye, let's kick it. You know what I mean? I'd kind of be like, I'd be <laughs> like, oh, I wish it was a different celebrity I ran into because then I'd be more excited about it, you know? Jake, did last, you something? Yeah, last thing I want to say, uh, and this is not me being a Kanye apologist or defender. This is purely just, I, I think a lot of people don't really know about this uh, for understandable reasons. But I just think it's worth pointing out how radically different, like 2004 to 2008-ish Kanye was from the Kanye you see now. Like from his music, like the fact that he made it all alone versus with a bunch of other people to like his lyrics, to like what he stood for and just what he said and did. Literally completely different person. Uh, you know, he's he has to take responsibility, whether or not he has like, I'm sure he has some mental illnesses, but regardless of that, and then like the money corrupting him and all that, he still has to take responsibility for his really shitty actions. Yeah, it just, it, he was a very, he was, he was pretty dope in 2004 as an artist and a person. Uh, and that unfortunately is not really the case anymore. But yeah, there's just like a lot of great things you can uh, him, him calling out George Bush on the handling of the Hurricane Katrina crisis. He was one of the first like big rappers to like condemn, and this was a lot worse of a problem in like the 2000s than it is now. Like homophobia was rampant in hip hop, like just like everywhere. And he was one of the first people to like condemn that. Uh, so like, it's it's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. He's one of my, he's one of my, he's my favorite artist, but yeah, it's, it's unfortunate what has happened to him in this last decade or so. I think a lot of it has to do with, um, it, it still feels, um, if, if anyone like follows his story or anything, if you know anything about it, it still feels like he's trying to come to terms with the death of his mother. Yeah. Donda West. It's, and it feels like he's never really gotten over that. Um, 
It's like, I, was that right before Fantasy? You know, that Dave? was uh, right before 808s, actually. But that was right yeah, before it's, it's been right. like a consistent theme since then, for sure. Yeah, and since then, it just seems like every project he releases is just, it gets him further and further away from kind of what his original mm-hmm. sort of mantras and sound was, um, which isn't to say that's a bad thing. I mean, everyone evolves, you know, over their lifetime, but yeah, there definitely seems to be this this sort of theme of like trauma, like emotional trauma, that he just seems like he's trying to experiment and find a way to come to grips with the fact that his mother's no longer around. Um, even if it's not explicit in the music as much anymore, it's just like now he's going super Christian and stuff. And it's kind of like this, you know, um, and not to say that's the only reason he's doing it because he may very well just want to be a more religious person. But, you know, it, it feels like he's trying to justify a lot of things in his life and figure things out. Um, and it comes through in his sound and actions um, in a lot of ways that I think most of us wouldn't want to see. <laughs> Go ahead, Zach. I saw you raise your hand. I didn't, it's not really related to what you said, um, but just going back to what I was mentioning in terms of the album, I definitely, like, had a phase in my life where I was more into Kanye and, like, enjoy listening to his music a lot but I really I think I've fallen out of that in recent years and so like revisiting both these albums was definitely like a I don't know it's kind of weird a little nostalgia in there but coming back to them I'm definitely like this is like somebody I'm not that interested in like hearing things from anymore like mm-hmm. undeniably he's made great music but for me personally I'm just past the point where like I care what he does in public and I don't feel a need to listen to his music because I feel like I can get great music uh, from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like coming back to it, I was definitely like thinking more along the lines of pure like sonically, like what appeals to me right now in the current stage of my life. And I think that's why Pablo stood out to me more than him. All right. Ooh, should we should we vote? Should we see if we swayed Callian one way or the other? Um, Give me last. Okay. Um, I can go first. I think I stand pretty strong with my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Uh, Zach. I think I will have to go with the life of Pablo. Oh, uh, really? Uh, fantasy. Jake. Pablo. No. Up <laughs> um, to you, Callian. You knew this was coming. Guys. You don't have the power. For this. Um, Are you going to vote over your own album? I don't know. That would be unprecedented. Know. True. A first here at Crave. At Crave. The podcast. Would it also be interesting if you voted Pablo because then it would be split by gender, which is kind of interesting. Mm. Just saying. Well, I mean, we are a club of misogynists, are we not? Well, <laughs> well. I'm not uh, saying that. I'm just saying. Oh, oh I'm saying that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, I think we can all agree here that we all hate women, right? <laughs> Clearly. For that reason alone, just because of Zach's terrible joke, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna go with. If you love women, you love my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Yeah, you love Nikki's part. verse in Monster, and that's the only reason you voted for the whole album. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot to talk about that. That was like on my list in my head of things to talk about. I got Nikki Minaj verse is maybe the best verse. Flash. All so of the top ever. 
like yeah. actually mm-hmm. look at a monster like, automobile gangster what a bad bitch that came from sri lanka keep going jake yeah i'm in the tonka cholera willy wonka you can be the queen but watch the king con- queen conquer i mixed it ah no <laughs> i'm not a real just kanye keep, fan just keep going just keep going you can edit it take it off Goblin, ghoul, a zombie with no conscience. Oh. <laughs> That's just for you, Callian. Just Jay. Oh. Okay. Um, wow. Evil ah. friends, melodrama. I can't I think this is I... happening. Wait. Can I <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'll take two minutes. What just happened? Oh, wait, I, I have no idea what she just said. I didn't understand a word of that, but... I heard two minutes. I thought I she was it. asking to say did something, animals, but I think she was asking for a break. Sound for, like, for them that she was, like, baby talking or something, too? Like, I was really confused right there. Riley, come back. <laughs> I think she's, she's doing something for two minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry about the baby talking. It was just two minutes. Oh, okay, okay. It's crazy Sorry. that there's people who will defend Jesus as king. As anything other than absolute trash. <laughs> so bad. Yo, closed on Sunday goes hard, though. Hey, I know Zach kind of likes that album. <laughs> I do not. I'm sorry, I Cal. Actually, I actually kind of like that album sonically. No, there's there's moments on it that are really good, for sure. We're moving on from Kanye. We're <laughs> Let's moving keep on going. From Let's Kanye. keep the show moving. <laughs> Let's go. We'll have a Thank Kanye. you, Lily. You're the host we need. We already okay. had one Kanye episode. We're doing another. <laughs> We're cutting back in to Portugal the Man and Melodrama by Lord. That's that's okay. Do you want to say I, the Portugal the Man album title? You know I don't. Okay. People want to look evil it up. Friends. It's evil friends. <laughs> okay, these two I think I can read. They were when I looked at them not scary. So Patrick Stakniak would like to give us a blurb for Portugal the Man, which is Evil Friends is the seventh album by Portugal The Man released in 2013 and is among Portugal's highest rated albums. Danger Mouse, who has worked with everyone from Godzilla to Narles Barkley, produced the album and made it one of the band's most cohesive albums. And Patrick likes it because this album is Portugal's best, but not by far. It has the sound that I had grown to love about the band. But this time they did away with some of the more avant-garde synthesizing. Each song is unique in sound, but keeps the same apathetic yet hopeful tone throughout. With some of the best lyrics in any pop or alt-rock album, I frequently find myself changing my interpretation of each song. It's music meant for the depressed or unmotivated, (laughs) but it won't send you further down the rabbit hole like most punk music. P.S. I will throw hands if this doesn't at least make the semi. Whew, okay. Throw hands with punk, I'll throw hands with him. Okay. He just made a whole genre over Portugal the Man. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's like Italian and Coldplay and Disco what? all over again. Uh uh-uh. uh. That was We wild. don't need to keep bringing that back up. So I'm that keeping happened. that happened. And we're gonna keep bringing it up because it did happen uh, and it was a highlight. That's gonna be on the crave. Yo, like, you made Kiara quit the podcast because of that, bro. <laughs> I know. Kiara, if you're listening to this, oh, we miss you. You're ghosting us. We miss you. <laughs> oh no. They sound like they're kidding, but I miss you deeply. And uh, no, I love you. I was not, I was not kidding. Oh, we, we want more people. We want our. We want. Our I loved the episode Kiara was on. I yeah, love it. She's wonderful. I think we should just 
make the rest of this episode a love letter to Kiara to try to win her <laughs> back after Callie Kiara and her come so back. deeply. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Lily, rein us back in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Melodrama comes to us from Jake's GF Annie. And Annie likes Hi. it because he hasn't listened to any of these episodes. <laughs> Shout out Annie. But um Um Annie likes it because Lloyd captures emotion like no one else can. Melodrama is a beautiful and tender collection of songs about being a young person, friendship, heartbreaks, and everything else in between, all masked up as a pop record dripping it with nostalgia. I can go first. I love Lord's melodrama. I love Lord. I just think she's great and I will listen to her album at any time for no reason or for all the reasons and I've been to her concert so I can prove it and melodrama is like the album that I listened to in my summer after I think seeing junior year when I had mono and I couldn't see any of my friends because I had mono and I would go for walks in my neighborhood because I was feeling a little bit better. I was feeling up to things a little more and I would just put melodrama in my ears and be like, I'm a liability, I have mono, I can make anyone sick at any moment. And it was great, it, was, it meant so much to me. <laughs> so love that album. Portugal the Man, um, I usually love an indie boy singing to me. And this album, I think I did like, I had not heard it before to be fair, but I did like it in the five times that I listened to it I kept tuning out so I think I have now really engaged with every single song on the album but it took a few more listens than I would have wanted so I think it falls in the like sort of background music category for me where I like can like it and like sometimes when you know they're doing the more like instrumental stuff tuned back in. But for the most part, it's easy to just kind of tune out for me. So I liked melodrama better. Zach? Oh, um, remove the bracket, Zach. Oh, it's oh, okay. No. I, I just noticed it too. It's not a big deal. Why oh, is no. so weird? I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. You guys want to like do an episode where you just talk like characters from Sesame Street? Yes. Let's do it. I'll be um, Stitch from Lilo and Stitch, my favorite Sesame Street Sesame character. Street. That's not Sesame Street. It's my favorite Sesame Street character. I'll be Gonzo from The Muppets. Okay, nice. That's a good Sesame Street character. That's closer. That's closer. <laughs> Going back. Um, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. a good transition. Oh, well, someone's got to pretend to be the host and keep us on track since we're getting a little unruly here. Why are you finger gunning yourself? You're the host. <laughs> Okay, anyways, so melodrama, I too have a soft spot in my heart for. I do love some nice female-fronted pop songs. It's not typically what I listen to, but it just gets me. I'm not uh, bored, especially on melodrama, I think is very, making very interesting music, very good pop that I really enjoy. And I think it has a lot of good themes and topics, which I think the little blurb we got talked about that a little bit. Um, and then I also just have a soft spot in it because some of my good friends back in high school would love to like just blast it and drive around a little bit. Shout out Emma and Emily. 
Not I you, made, not I you, made the foolish mistake of thinking not you could you, possibly Lily. be talking about me. Um, not you, Lily. This is so embarrassing. Oh. Hey, man, I'm just trying to see if they listen. I don't think they do. Shout out to Fairview High School. For those of you it's listening nice. who are from Fairview High School. <laughs> Poor Jake. We're currently 80% Fairview High School um, alumni here. <laughs> Jake is Back our sole representative. Way from a non-Fairview high school. High school. Rick is the only non-Fairview friend any of us have made in college. Shout out <laughs> our Rattle West. What's your Woo! mascot, Jake? Shout out the Wildcats. Wildcats. <laughs> I'm a Wildcat now, Jake, so. We're all we Wildcats now. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Um, sorry, Zach, continue. I was just um, going to move on past you because of how you slighted me, but um, I guess I'll, you know, be diplomatic or whatever. I, I just, I really like melodrama in a way that I don't know exactly how to describe. Like, I just think it's a very well done album, like front to back. And I think it's very cohesive as well. And all of the songs are, again, just like really well done, but not, I wouldn't say like overdone in the way that some pop can be. I think that she that Lauren does a really good job of keeping things interesting and fresh, even if it's, I wouldn't like call it experimental by any means, but I just think that something about melodrama specifically for me is very appealing and really reels me in. And I think it, it definitely still appeals to me. I think this side of the bracket is, for me, is a lot about like what I listen to now versus what I listened to in the past. And I think I think melodrama. <laughs> um, <laughs> Lily just put in our chat that she experimented with being from New Zealand. Isn't she Australian? You absolute idiot. <laughs> you idiot. That is so embarrassing. Jake, embarrassing everything for the, that. This is, yeah, this this is our seems... episode. This is our episode for the week. Just Zach saying, isn't Lord from Australia? <laughs> <laughs> Chills really shooting up and down my spine. Just no. I studied geography, nonetheless. I really like melodrama. Then Portugal the Man. I actually had never heard this album before. I was very surprised that it was their seventh album. Yeah, crazy. In 2013, I was like, whoa. Didn't expect that. And I enjoyed it. I will say that. I don't want to be mean. But it didn't exactly grab me as much as I would have wanted it to. Or as much as I was grabbed by things like, you know, like liability on melodrama. Like, there wasn't really any point on the Portugal the Man album where I felt really grabbed and sucked in. And I'm I will. Uncomfortable with the way Zach keeps using grabbed. I really just wasn't grabbed by anything and it didn't <laughs> like touch me or grasp me in any manner. Um, okay. I'll stop saying it. Jesus Christ, is everyone a critic? Sorry, I, I think I will say, uh, back to this idea of old me versus modern me, I think that the Portugal the Man album is something I would have liked a lot, like, mid-high school, when I was definitely more into that kind of, like, indie rock type sound, indie pop rock sound. I think that now in the present day, there just wasn't a lot for me going through and listening to the whole album to really grab me. Although I will say that I think, oh, and then also I feel like a lot of the sounds on that Portugal the Man album, to me, felt very 2013, if that makes sense. Like, I think, and I don't know enough about the scene or music at that point in time to say, like, 
what was influential or not, but I think a lot, maybe Portugal the Man was influencing other people with this album. But I think that there were some songs on there where I was like, I could definitely see similarities to other songs and albums that I have heard or like listened to more in the past. Thank you, Zach. That was very well said, very diplomatic. I forget. I guess, Jake, you're next in reverse order. Cool, cool. I have, uh, I will start with, sorry, pulling up my Lord, my notes. Uh, I'm going to start with Lord. So I think it's amazing. <laughs> Wait, Jake, I'm so sorry. We're all laughing and it just looks like we're being mean to you. What happened was in the chat, minutes ago, I just said, I missed the old Zach. And then minutes later, Riley said, straight from the go, Zach. And then a minute after that, Kelly and said, chop up the soul, Zach. And we are all just dying for no reason, but we like it. So sorry, Jake. I love you. I love you like Zach loves Zach. This is some so weak ass love, Jake. I hate to break it to you, but oh, it might not be the best line. I love you like Zach loves sad indie <laughs> girls. Yep. Mm-hmm. Bingo. There you go. Thank there you me. go. Uh, Lord, I think it's impressive how literally every song literally every song on this album and like pretty much every song on pure heroin is just like designed to like be this anthemic pop song that you would like sing in a teen movie on like a road trip like literally every song like that vibe i guess can get a little i don't i don't really think it's monotonous i could see how it could be for some people because literally all of them have that feeling to them. But uh, I think it's impressive and I like it. So um, for the most part, I think there's definitely enough uh, variety uh, to make it enjoyable. Uh, I have a few kind of like specific notes uh, from from some of the highs and lows of this album from listening to it. Uh, I've heard it before. There's on the track Sober, there's this like I thought really corny like synthetic brass sound that like the first thing I think of when I think of something like that is like Panic at the Disco. Not a huge fan. That's just like that's just where my mind goes when I hear like bad synthetic brass. It can be good. I don't I'm not a synthetic brass complete hater but uh, a lot of times it's not great. Didn't love it on that song. Uh, But there were a lot of really interesting sonic choices that uh, I didn't completely paid super close attention to before, but I thought really interesting uh, and kind of reminded me a little bit of, of some of the like uh, stuff that we're seeing a lot in pop music nowadays with like hyper pop with like some Gex and Charlie and Sophie kind of vibes, uh, which I just never really noticed and it's kind of surprised me. So on Homemade Dynamite, uh, there were these like really harsh, almost like future bassy, kind of flumey bass tones and like noisy production. The Louvre has this uh, noisy overblown breakdown during the post-chorus, the like boom, boom and make them all whatever part. I don't remember all the lyrics. Uh, And then Hard Feelings, really love the like chaotic, metallic, scratching, plucky sounds. that like really just like sounded like it would be on like a hyper pop uh, thing in like 2020 or 2021. Uh, so maybe a little bit ahead of the curve there because I mean, it was it was already a thing at that point. Vroom Vroom EP had already come out, but, and like Sophie had been doing her thing for a while, but I was just like kind of surprised to, to notice that this time. Um, and yeah, I, I think the production on this album is great. Uh, 
her her past collaborators like Joel Little, who like I think produced pretty much all of melodrama. No, Pure Heroin with her came back for a few tracks, and then a lot of it is produced by Jack Antonoff, who uh, you all may know from you know the Bleachers, and he produced like oh. some Taylor Swift stuff. Uh, Kevin fun. Abstract. Fun. Hello. You're gonna leave out Boyfriend fun. of Lena Dunham. Hello. He's, he's done a lot of stuff. He's done a lot of stuff. He's he's quite the quite the diverse producer. I will I will say. And I think that gives me a good place to lead into Portugal Demand because I had no idea that Danger Mouse was like the executive producer of this thing, and that actually made me kind of excited. I. I'm not the biggest Danger Mouse fan, like the way I, I, I like, I feel like probably a little more Jack Antonoff music overall than uh, Danger Mouse, but he has had his fingerprints on some of my favorite songs, uh, particularly uh, with Gorillaz working on Demon Days, uh, like Feels, feel, feel, feels, Feel Good Ink might not be the same, might not exist without Danger Mouse. Crazy, Gnarls Barkley, great song. Uh, and then also just in general, uh, Danger Mouse is like really important to like the, I don't know, just like the sample remix mashup land, like memification landscape of like, just like taking other people's things and, and like reworking it. Uh, like he made the Grey album in 2004, which is a mashup of Jay-Z, uh acapellas with Beatles instrumentals and it was like a, a big case study slash like important moment and like remix and mashup and like I said culture which is obviously a very uh important thing in music right now so I that just like kind of put me in a different headspace when I was listening to this um and I will say I was actually grabbed right away by Plastic <laughs> Soldiers uh easily my favorite song on the album uh it just does a great job of keeping keeping you engaged the whole time like either an inst like instruments are coming in and out they're evolving lines they're being modulated it just keeps your attention the whole time and then the chorus at the end has these like huge spacey vocals like disembodied voices all around you it's a huge chorus uh really really good uh but then there were tracks here and there that I liked, but literally everything after that first track was not quite as engaging to me. I was like, after that first track, I was like, have I been missing out? Is this going to be like Demon Days vibes, like really good? And for me, it wasn't really. Uh, pretty much everything after that, like I said, was was not as captivating. Creep in a t-shirt uh has those same panic at the disco freaking crappy brass lines that sober did um and it's just like a lot of it gave me um it sounded like a product of its time for sure but there were things about it that surprised me how much i enjoyed and things that i was pretty much expecting and didn't enjoy quite as much so yeah all that being said I do definitely prefer uh, melodrama, but I was actually surprised, pleasantly surprised on quite a few of the Portugal tracks. Um, yeah. Can I ask you something? Yes. Did you, did you say memification? Is that what I heard you say? I think I said, I said something about memes. That might've been the word. <laughs> just, you know, like how memes are, it's like all about like, just like taking, taking 
a little phrase or a little image and and making it your own it's not like it's not the same way it's not like making a painting it's a different kind of communication and like art form i guess uh and i feel like part of that kind of stems from like remix and like mashup culture you know mm-hmm. yo dude, this is so unrelated do you ever listen to those like it was like youtube rewind before youtube rewind where they like mashed up all of the like songs yes sir you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. those are those are kind of crazy those were like really good yeah i still Do you know what, like remember that. what they were called like there was like one dude who like did it that was like really popular. The evolution of dance dance. Is that to what you are referring? Similar vibes. <laughs> Similar, but no. Here, I'll find it. Okay, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. It's like they would take they would take like the I don't know, like the top hundred songs of the year and then they would just like mash them together, remix them together. Like it's it's like a really cool DJ set with like all the top songs of the year. It's like one really long, big. Pop. Yeah, it's like like they take it and it's like like ten minutes of just like the top like pop songs and they like just put all together in like a really, really well done way. Do you know? Yeah. How, do you know what that's called? I don't. I don't. I wish oh I my! Did, my brother would know. He loves that shit. Let me <laughs> text him. You do some research. You do some research. Riley, are you next? Well, I think so. Let's start with Portugal demand. It reminded me of Franz Ferdinand a little bit. Um, I really like Franz Ferdinand. This, I think it like compared enough where I was like, ooh, but then I was like, eh, they lost me. Because it was just like, it was just up here the whole time. Um, It lacked a lot of the like push and pull that I kind of desire from an album. Um, It just was like pretty much up here there was one song that was like kind of went a little bit more slow and vulnerable towards the end I don't remember what it was called um and then it was just like back up and it wasn't my favorite um I wrote in my notes I said um it almost feels like a musical about some shitty teenage boy where it's consistently where he's consistently riffing then there's a slight refrain where he realizes he's kind of shitty and then he does nothing about it and just goes back to riffing. Like it just, it just was kind of like, I don't know why that had the feeling. Well, but it was just like, eh, didn't really do it for me. Um, and then I did say that a positive note, I said the guitar and whistling at the beginning of Smile was really cool. Um, I liked how you could kind of hear the sound of the room in that one. Um, yeah, that one didn't really do it for me um lord i have always loved her i have i don't know just such fond memories of being like a prepubescent teen and being listening to lord and just being like oh this is indie where i (laughs) (laughs) and i think i i mean i think she really does strike the balance between like kind of indie vocals and then pop like background and um instrumentation um so it kind of appeals to a lot of different people. And I really like that about her. I don't know. I think that neither of these like super pulled me strongly. I kind of feel like eh, about both of them because I like pure heroin a lot better than melodrama personally, just because of like personal connections. Um, so yeah, I would go with melodrama over Portugal Man, whatever the fuck, evil friends. Also the fact that Patrick's comments, I did not like them. So now I'm mad. So 
therefore I'm done. <laughs> Lord. Patrick <laughs> shot himself in the foot with his comments. He could have had Wait, you, Riley. What did he say? I don't even know what he said. He just was like, punk and indie makes you depressed. And I'm like, oh, that's my whole identity. That's my whole music. <laughs> like, Wait, um, where did he call? What is this? I'm confused still. It was like the first thing that he put down. And it was oh. Just, you just, you came at all of the genres that I like best. Like, you know. <laughs> okay, wait, now that I have that, can you say what he said one more time? Yeah, let me let me read you the quote. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I frequently find myself changing my interpretations of each song. It's music meant for depressed or unmotivated, but it won't send you further down the rabbit hole like most punk music. I Which is really... not how I feel about punk at all. I think that's like crazy town. But punk is depressed. Yeah, that's, you know, I don't know. How are you depressed if you're like... No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Get out! Yeah, Zach? Tally, you're still muted, bro. Tally. Yeah, you are absolutely muted. Wait, making some good points. I'm sure he's making good points. Tally's spitting right now. Damn. He's <laughs> okay. a bit. <laughs> That's hilarious. Just, if ever someone tells you you're muted, just keep talking. Be like. <laughs> I didn't hear. I didn't hear that anyone said I was muted. And I didn't get the message either. I just. I thought you guys were disagreeing with me again, and I was like, "Man, come on now!" And then I saw that I'm muted. So, <laughs> and we weren't disagreeing with you. So, win-win. Uh, no, I think I agree with him a little bit on the indie, on the indie front. Obviously, it depends on the song and depends on the artist. But I, I kind of get what he's saying with the indie. Maybe um, I think the punk is more debatable on the issue of making you more depressed. Um, but that being said, I don't listen to a lot of indie or punk. So he didn't say indie; he only said punk. Yeah, that was just me protecting. Sorry. Oh, but never mind. Then I take that out of, out of my take those words right out of my mouth. I just felt like he was attacking me personally, and so I just was like, everything I like, he's come at. Which is weird because I feel like we're all easy targets. Oh yeah, I just want to say the moment I texted my brother about it, he texted back what it was, Damn. and I put it in the chat. It's popped anthology. The link there. He said 2014 was the best. So this is just pop anthology. I put it in the chat. Oh my gosh! We can go back to the actual. Uh, now. Yeah. Was I listeners, we just took a six-minute break to watch um, pop, pop anthology, anthology 2014. 2014. <laughs> Highly recommend. Um, best album wow. of 2010s. I feel like that. I yeah. feel like that kind of shit is like. That's like some TikTok sounds, but just longer, you know? Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. TikTok songs are terrible. Have you guys heard the No, new- no, no, not TikTok songs, but like I feel like some TikTok things TikTok, are like, like mashups. mashups, right? Uh, but they're like, you know, like 10 second snippets. Yeah. Nope. Like it, Danger Mouse, Pop Anthologies, and then like TikTok remixes. That's like the least- progression favorite tiktok remix is toxic by britney spears and love shack that those songs just do not go together they are both fabulous songs on their own i don't know why anyone put them together it makes me very upset back to the topic cal what's your uh, opinion on the albums actually i'd rather if the host uh lily can you ask cal what his opinion on the albums are I don't know. Are we ready to vote? Um, I think we all said everything. Wait, 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 wait. 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 About two people talked, but. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding, Cal. Please tell us what you think. Um, 
I preferred, and you guys are going to hate me for this, but it doesn't matter at this point. I'm too far gone. <laughs> I preferred Portugal Man. Portugal Man, I, I, it caught me by surprise. I'd never heard it before. Um, I heard a little bit of melodrama a few times here and there because it's just that album, you know, one of those albums. Um, it's a very good pop album. Melodrama is a very good pop album. It's very complete. Uh, I agree with a lot of what Jake said about the production. It feels very full. It feels very effective, um, infectious even, um, as far as pop production goes. Um, a lot of the songs are very, you know, kind of catchy. They get in your head. You kind of feel yourself kind of getting into them. But I think I've always had an issue for some reason with Lord, um, not because of who she is or because she makes bad music. It's just something that I have trouble getting into. I don't know why. I think she has a very unique sound. She has a very cool voice. She has a very cool way of delivering her lyrics, but I just can't get into Lord very easily for some reason. And if anyone wants to help me change that, please, I need rehab um, because I know that I'm sleeping on Lord. But um, I can help you. You need to listen to ribs like in the car with your windows down. Like that'll help. Isolate yourself from everyone you know for like one day and then just play melodrama. Get it's mono. Totally different. Get mono. Yeah, that's True. my best yeah, advice. And go jog around listening to melodrama. Okay. <laughs> jog. Thank walk. you. Yeah. Thank you. That's so nice. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, but yeah, I did. I preferred Portugal. And I think I agree with a lot of what uh, Riley was saying. It feels kind of monotonous almost. And like it has the same energy all the way through. But I liked it. I thought it was a good energy. And maybe it's just because of the time I was listening to it at um, for the first time. But I like kind of like the opening synth sort of sound really hooked me, grabbed me, as Zach would say. Um, I did feel like I was tuning out at times, to be fair. But it wasn't because I didn't enjoy the album or the songs. I think it was just kind of because that energy is so consistent throughout. Um, I think there's like a couple songs where it kind of dies down and slows down a little bit and it's a little bit more atmospheric but like yeah I just enjoyed the energy um, it's definitely not my personal favorite album of all time this one is probably the hardest one for me to choose between because um, I'm kind of not meh about both of them like I recognize them to both be very good albums but like I'm not particularly attached to either of them um, I'd probably go with Portugal the Man just for my personal taste, though. Yeah, I was just thinking about how if I had listened to Portugal the Man not as an album, but as individual songs, I think I would have appreciated it a lot more and liked it better. It just got, like, it was hard for me to really engage with it as a full piece. Um, but okay, should we vote? Riley. Um, Lord, Melodrama. Zach. Melodrama. Jake. Melodrama. Kelly. Portugal Man, Evil Friends. Melodrama. Sorry. Hey, that's our first That's our biggest Congratulations, guys. Surprise, surprise. I think I'm it's a good a good up. sign that all of ours have been like three to two. We got we got some some good discourse. Some, it's a good thing. Two matchups left to do. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and then somehow the taking longer forms. than the last one. I know. Um, you said at the beginning, we were like, this is going to be so 
<laughs> yeah, maybe we should like. I feel like we're getting on tangents. I don't know who might have sent a pop anthology. Yeah, out, but man. we gotta cut that shenanigans out. Okay, we gotta focus in. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, oh I said five hours at the beginning, and I actually apparently did not. <laughs> Our next match up is Puberty Two by Mitski and Circles by Mac Miller. So, for Puberty Two. This comes to us from Ju- Jake's sister, Julia. Mm-hmm. And Julia likes it because puberty too means so much to me personally. There's no album I can think of that better captures not only depression, but what a monotonous and soul-crushing daily routine feels like when you're reaching for something so elusive that you don't even know how to define it. Happiness. What makes Mitski and this album special um, has always been her songwriting. The tracks in Puberty 2 are truly poetry. Every word and every note is infused with a longing so earnest and true that it often feels more like you're listening to diary entries set at the dreamy distorted guitar more than anything else. Whew, that is so tender. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's a good blurb. That's a really good blurb. That's one of our best blurbs. Can we yeah. get, uh, can we get Julia to join the club? I know. I, I actually... I actually like messaged her last night. I wanted to like collab with her on my personal essay. It's gonna because we just have so many memories about music. It's gonna be great. Oh yes, hell yeah! So she's an honorary member now. Yeah, a super friend of the pod. Super friend. Super friend. <laughs> and then circles comes to us from Kylie, Queen of Grave. And her blurb is that Mac Miller, this is Mac Miller's final posthumous album released in 2020. Circles is the companion album to Mac's 2018 project, Swimming. And Kylie likes it because the production musical element of the project is difficult to critique because Mac died halfway through the production and John Byron finished it for him. With that being said, I think the lyricism and emotional circle that Mac makes from the rather tortured swimming project is really powerful, especially given that Mac is now passed on. And a lot of the songs feel like his final ruminations about life, and it is profoundly peaceful and joyous project. Okay. I'll take this one first. Do you want to stop sharing the bracket first? Oh, so true, Queen. Then it's all you. I just want to say before I get Zach gets started that it's post posthumous as opposed to posthumorous. Oh no. Oh no. Should I read it again? I mean, I mean, I don't know how. Carling, carling, carling. I said posthumous on maybe two episodes ago. So you have to keep that in because as soon as you said it, I was like, my God. (laughs) We invented a new word. I, as I was reading it, was like, I don't think that I know how this is pronounced. Um, But I went for it. No, no, no. Confidence. All due respect. All due respect. Okay. Anyways, back. Where was I? Mitski. I love Mitski with my whole absolute entire heart. And I think I was really bored over the summer um, working my job. And so I spent um, a day where I just listened to all of Mitski's discography front to back. And I, that, like, I'd listened to it a lot before, but that really, like, cemented it for me. Like, damn, fucking Mitski's awesome. So, I think I don't have my notes on me, so this is rough, and I'm very sorry. But Puberty 2 is one of my favorite albums. Again, I say this all the time. 
I think that write-up was absolutely beautiful and sums up a lot of what I like about this album as well. Um, Mitski is such a great songwriter, and I think she does a lot of really cool, interesting things to convey her emotions and thoughts in her songs. Um, I also feel that as I think Puberty 2 is interesting in her discography, especially, because I think that it... Um, I think it's, I don't know, I'm torn on this, but I think it's definitely one of her, I think it's like her best album. And I think she refines a lot of what she was doing before it on this album and kind of fleshes it out into more of a full, I guess kind of approachable in a lot more ways, indie rock kind of sound, um, which I think she kind of like perfects here, honestly. And I think that a lot of the subject matter um, that she handles, that she touches on on this, album is very kind of personal and intimate and but very well done and she somehow manages to like wrap it all or for the most part wraps it in very I don't know if palatable is the word because that makes it sound kind of boring but it's it's like easily digestible whereas like other music that I listen to that's also emotional and intimate is more raw I'm not saying Mitski's not raw but I think that on Puberty 2 she does a really good job of wrapping some of these things in like more kind of standard musical things in a more refined sense like um like happy the song is just like that's an indie rock kind of banger but it still touches on these same themes um when your best american girl i think is this absolute standout track to me from this album touches on a lot of really important things especially from mitsuki being a um, japanese american woman and a lot of her struggles with that, um, that I've like that, that song, especially to me, I think was, is a little bit of like a bonding point with me and my dad and kind of, I don't know, I have a weird relationship with that song, but I think that that as somebody who has family that is Japanese American, like I said, hard for me to put these things into words, but I think that Mitski does a really good job of expressing these emotions in a very approachable way and I really like all of the sound across her album because I will say that I did just say that she like kind of wraps it in indie rock and whatnot and this is going on forever and I'm really sorry but she also still manages to like be really raw on this album and some of these songs are still very like raw powerful emotional songs which I think is another big selling point of that so that's my puberty to um tirade apologies um it's tough for me that this is up against circles because um, I'm going to get stoned by both Kylie and Kiara at the next meeting for this if they <laughs> listen to this podcast. But I have never been a huge Mac Miller fan up until after Swimming Dropped and into the Circles era. And I think that's probably more just because that's the kind of singer-songwriter type music is more of what I listen to. And so when Swimming, and especially Circles, came out... Um, it definitely interested me and pulled me in in a way that his earlier music hadn't because it was, I I thought it was really surprising how kind of easily he transformed his sound across like swimming. I think it's kind of like a more transformative record and then circles coming at the end of that. I think it's really, I mean, obviously it's so sad that he passed, but I think like Kylie said in her blurb circles, it's definitely hard to talk about as an album because I mean, 
I don't know, just like the whole context surrounding it. But I think Circles does a really good job of kind of as kind of a final piece to his transition in this like sound and his music, in my opinion. And I think that it's a really, really beautiful album. Um, but that being said, it definitely hasn't like stuck with me or hit me as hard as Mitski. Yeah, that was not a rant at all, Zach. Don't you worry. That was very beautiful. Does anyone want to go next? Uh, yeah, yeah. Kind of do just because um, I think I'm in the same boat as Zach, where I'm not necessarily like a Mac Miller fan, and I will get absolutely ravaged in the group chat for saying this, but like he's just. I mean, he's never somebody that I've been like super drawn to. And then when he died, it still like, it just still, I think impacted me in a really strange way where I wasn't quite sure why it was impacting me because it was like, this isn't really an artist that I've ever listened to, you know? But at the same time, it's just like, oh my God, I'm so sad. And it like, Circles was the first Mac album that I've ever listened to. Um, and I just remember listening to it and just being like so sad for so many weeks. And like, still when I listen to it, it just like hits me in the gut in a really specific way. Um, and then, you know, Mitski also just hits me in the same way. I think this is a really hard comparison, um, which is also, I kind of want to hear everybody else maybe convince me one way or another, because it's like, like, I mean, Lily introduced me to Mitski. And so it's just like, got that kind of personal touch for me and um the first song on that album just like it feels almost like Alice in Wonderland but also a description of depression that is just like so right on and accurate and it feels just like I don't even know how to describe it it just um it makes me really emotional um and Mitski just as an artist makes me feel really emotional um so I think both of them make me deeply sad and kind of, I don't know, I, they, they both have such an emotional draw for me that it makes it really hard for me to pick one way or another. Yeah, I echo every aspect of that, but yeah, Jake, go ahead. Okay, um, yeah, it's, it is a tough one. It's a, it's a sad one too, just like all around. I totally relate to that thing you were talking about, Riley, of I was not ever a huge Mac fan, and I still wouldn't say that I am a huge Mac fan, uh, even though uh, over time I've, I've come to appreciate quite a bit of his music a lot more. Um, but like, yeah, when the news of his like death like came out, like I, I had only known a few songs, but I just, re I like, literally remember where I was and like what I was doing. Like I was at like, and it's not like uh, particularly like, it's a good memory. I was at like this like, art district with my mom but I just remember like being like weirdly like affected by it. I feel like maybe it's just because like I knew a lot of people who like really cared about him I think that's definitely part of it yeah it was it was a weird a weird time very sad um I guess now I'll, I'll keep talking about circles a little bit now the actual uh project because it was my first time hearing it um besides uh a few select tracks uh I think good Good days, is that good news? That, good news, rather. Uh, good news and uh, Blue World were the only tracks I had known before. Uh, I am a 
a decent disclosure fan. So disclosure guide from disclosure producing blue world and i do love that song the, the vocal snip chops on that are really are really cool but uh in general it's it's obviously a lot more uh i think lyrically focused um it was as kylie pointed out posthumously like kind of produced and finished it was like not completely done so like a lot of that is is john byron or whatever's like uh hand uh that being said i do really like the production on pretty much all this album it's really good it's super funky it's like not that depressing sounding but uh some of those songs man are just like are really brutal it's it gives me a like almost like black star vibe of like hearing some and it's weird because like david bowie knew he was on his way out but like it feels on some of these songs like Mac kind of did in a weird way, even though it was like an accidental death. It's like very weird, like, uh, but like really well written and, and moving stuff. So, uh, yeah, I really, really liked it. Um, glad that I finally listened. It's the first Mac project I've listened to all the way through. I, I need to get on it and check out Divine Feminine and Swimming and all that stuff. Because I, I like so many of his songs. I just have not gotten into him as much as I should have. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and then Mitski, Mitski, Mitski. I, I really like this album. Uh, my sister introduced me to Mix, Mitski. Uh, and obviously, since she suggested it, she's a huge fan. So she has been a big part of, of getting me to appreciate Mitski. Uh, and it's also very kind of like soul crushing and sad and beautifully written i i think I, I like i really liked what you said zach about like the, the the like rawness but like slightly more palatable in terms of like the the actual like songs themselves i i totally agree with that it's like it's like she's using like this kind of indie singer songwriter uh, platform is like a vessel for her like songwriting which is very different from a lot of stuff in that field so it's, it's a lot uh, I think heavier and uh, interesting in a lot of ways uh, and really well written and, and poetic as as my sister said I think she does have a very poetic tone of like writing style uh, I, and then also production wise there are uh, a few things that I thought were really interesting about this album uh, in general it kind of has this like simple kind of stripped back lo-fi feeling at parts uh like especially with like the the vocals process the vocal processing on a lot of these songs where it sounds like she's like uh being like projected through like a loudspeaker at like a military boot camp or something like that like that's the, that's just kind of what it sounds like it's like super tinny and like weird vocal production but um it's it's kind of good at conveying the emotion and like capturing the intensity and rawness of it. Uh, and then last thing I'll say about this, uh, specifically about the song Crack Baby. I had never really like uh, listened to Mitski with like a super production like folk and, and this time I didn't either. Um, but like I never really listened to it with like production being on like the front of my mind when I'm like thinking about thinking about it because I don't think that is for her either. I think the songwriting definitely comes first, 
Uh, but Crack Baby, I was like kind of surprised. I've heard it a bunch before, but I was listening with like my good headphones and it's like this almost like hypnotizing song. It's it's really interesting. And she does this thing where she like, the singing almost feels like kind of aimless and like off the grid and like really wacky. And uh, it, it kind of like reminds me of like the end of of nobody when when she does a similar thing and i used to kind of hate that song because of that part like it literally like made me feel nauseous and like sick just because of how like hypnotizing and weird and wonky it was it's it's grown on me a lot and i really like it here a lot it's a great album i also this is one of the closest ones for me as well so i'll let everyone else talk and then see how i feel at the end I just love listening to what everyone has to say about every album. It's very tender and very nice. Um, Kelly and I won't make you go last again, so why don't you go? Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, I think pretty obviously from what I just dropped in our chat, I feel differently um, than... Slandering of... us in the slack. I had to. This is a hard choice. This is a very hard choice. I think that this is a hard comparison but mostly because these are actually kind of similar in a lot of ways. Like they're both pretty like solid gut punches emotionally, like as far as albums go, like they really, they kind of hurt to listen to in a lot of ways. Um, that being said, I personally um, am more saddened when I listen to Circles, um, but that may just be, because of my more personal connection with Mac, listening to him a lot more. Mitski, I'd never heard before. I really enjoyed it as an album. It's not something I would listen to typically. I probably won't really listen to it more than a couple more times. It, it, it was a very well put together package of emotions. I think that kind of encapsulates what everyone else has said so far. It's, it's very well written. It's very intentional. It really makes you feel a lot of the feelings that are being written about in the lyrics. And I, I agree with what Jake was saying from a production standpoint, like the production on Puberty 2 isn't as captivating, I guess you could say, or interesting as it is on Circles. Circles is definitely, you know, it sounds that you can listen to Circles and if you don't listen to lyrics, it's, they're, they're bops. A lot of the songs are bops, especially like Blue World, um, even Good News, it's kind of like a laid back, just kind of like, you know, you can, you can kind of bop your head to it. It's kind of nice. Um, once you listen to the lyrics, though, it's a little different. It's actually really sad. But I do feel like as far as sonically, Circles is more interesting. I mean, I, I will say Circles, the first couple of times I listened to it when it first came out, made me cry. Like I was, I was very distraught when I listened to Circles. Like, and it's still like, it's hard for me to listen to like Good News or Circles. Um, even Blue... Blue World's a little bit more up-tempo. It's not as sad as some of the other ones, but it's hard for me to, especially good news is the one that is super hard for me to like listen to um, and like still be in a really good mood. It's such a powerful song. And I think when you look at Mac's discography, um, you know, he, he had so many albums where he kind of perfected his sound um, and he, he's such a musical person. I don't know if you guys have seen any like YouTube videos or anything of him like making music in the studio or just like, screwing around on the guitar or whatever. Like he can do anything he wants with any instrument in the world. Um, he's so talented. And I think that if there are critiques of his um, earlier music, it's that it sounds like he's just having fun with his music. He didn't have a lot to necessarily say. Um, 
in the way that he does on albums like Swimming and Circles. Like there, it really feels like he has a very personal attachment to the music he's making. And he's really trying to convey something emotionally. Um, and, and it feels much more direct. When I listen to Swimming and Circles, I feel like Mac Miller is sitting next to me, telling me you know, how he feels um, versus some of his older albums. And for that reason, I would say that they're two of his better albums, um, but yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't have as much to say on Puberty 2 because it just, I don't have as much personal attachment to it. Um, I did think it was very good. Um, like a lot of other albums on this that people recommended, it surprised me very pleasantly, but it's just not my speed and circles to me really, really punched me in the gut, so. Good spiel. <laughs> it, this is definitely a super hard comparison because they are two such sad albums, but they're sad for like different reasons almost, and like, but also the same reason. And it, it's just very hard to grapple with. I am gonna say that I think that I like Circles better overall, which is shocking to me and everyone. Like, I think Max death was so hard for people our age because it was like kind of the first person who was our peer who was so famous and like did die so young, um, which is like a classic story of artists and musicians especially. But it was like, like that is still something that it's like, like you can think about Amy Winehouse and you're kind of like, oh, that is really sad that she died so young, but you don't feel it quite as much because you weren't like listening to her thinking she was going to be able to have a whole career after that um so that is what circles does for me is like this being his final album and like still being things that he really wanted to say I think is like very powerful and it is an incredibly sad album to listen to like in its context and then also by itself and like like Callie said you can kind of like you know like you can put it on and just dance to it or just have it playing and not really think about it but if you listen then you or like tune in a little more then you're like oh yeah no that that's a super sad message or like yeah I totally relate to that and that makes me feel things um so I I really like circles and I am a maybe bigger Mac fan than I am a Mitski fan I think that's probably safe to say <laughs> I do really like Mitski too, and I like Puberty too, too. And I'm I'm a little surprised to hear you guys say that you feel like it's more palatable than some of the other sad indie music we've listened to. Because to me, I feel like it's less palatable, or like it its palatability makes it hit harder for me, or something. Like I feel surprised when I listen to this album. I'm like, you know, oh what this sounds like such a nice song that you're saying such a sad description of depression or like, you know, whatever she's talking about, it just knowing that Mitski's going to be able to continue to make music and like not having quite that context for the album, like them sort of hitting on the same topics. I think Max grabs me just like ever so slightly more than Mitski's does. Are we ready to vote? Anyone have any last thoughts? No? Okay. Zach. Uh, puberty too. Riley. Yeah, I thought I was gonna go puberty too, but I think I'm gonna go circles. 
That's shocking. This is this is an over. Oh, okay, Jake. Okay, I feel a lot better about this now because I I didn't know what I was gonna say and I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings and I was leaning towards puberty too, but I also kind of felt like circles should go on. But I think at this point it has the votes it needs, so I'm gonna go with puberty too. This is wild. This is wild. What a flip of everything. I'm yeah, so this confused. Is, this is a crazy round. <laughs> Cal? Yeah, I'm going to go circles. I will also say circles. Whew, what an upset, but also evened out. So. Can I say something really quick? Yeah, move on. To me, I definitely have such a personal like bias and feeling toward puberty too that it's hard for me to overcome that even for like an album like Circles as sad as it is we'll say that even with that like that it had to be filled in i think it's still an inc- it's still impressively like cohesive and there's not to me at least it doesn't really sound that repetitive which is mm-hmm. something i might expect if they're working with limited kind of work from mac before you pass yeah but that was that definitely like impressed me when i listened through it i was like damn it's like i don't know it doesn't feel like Obviously, I don't know, but it doesn't feel like they strayed too far from what the intent was, given the little, like, given what was recorded at that point. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a Mac Miller album. And I don't know if you guys saw the visuals for it, but I think they did a really good job, like all the YouTube kind of videos. Yeah. I think they did a really good job. Like, it's all kind of connected. It's cohesive project all the way through. And I think they really did a good job of paying homage to his career and kind of his sound and kind of where it was going towards the end of his career last one on to our last one this is also going to be tough i think so for this round we have pimp a butterfly by kendrick lamar and pinata by freddie gibbs in mad lib slash mad lib and i know out the gate that we do not have like a bio for pinata but i know that you just wrote a little piece about Mad Lib Jake so do you maybe want to think about something you can say for that one while I read the other one okay thank you um okay so Tip of a Butterfly comes to us from Cal's brother his blurb is Kendrick Lamar's third studio album covers the struggles of his own life using vivid vocabulary and funky samples to create what is often referred to as the greatest album of all time and Cal's brother, what's your brother's name? Alexi. Alexi likes it because from start to finish, this album is packed with experiences of Kendrick's life, which are painted in a way that makes everyone listening able to relate to the emotions pouring out of each song. This takes the role of the modern rapper constantly trying to hide behind fame and money and makes it accessible form of entertainment, which anyone can relate to. The poem, which is uh, read in the song Mortal Man, perfectly sums up the album and can be found throughout it. The album almost being named to Pimp a Caterpillar shows the influence of Tupac on Kendrick's life and rap career. And this is further shown with the interview between the two at the end. Kendrick never receives an answer to how Tupac liked the poem. And this repeats why the album is named to Pimp a Butterfly rather than to Pimp a Caterpillar. All in all, this is a very heavy album. There's a lot of good content, which tells the story of Kendrick Lamar's upbringing, both in and outside the rap game. All right. I can say a few things about Gangsta Gibbs and Quasimodo. Um, this is a mystery. Who who added this? I mean, the fact that there's not a blurb <laughs> is one thing, but I wish I just know who added this. Oh, it was it? No, I did. I had Igor. 
Oh, that's right. Whoa. Who added? Yeah, we don't know. A good a good pick. I might have gone with Bandana myself, which is another Freddie Gibb Mad Lib album. But Pinata is excellent as well. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't have anything prepared or anything, but I can say a little bit, I guess, about probably more than Mad Lib than Freddie Gibbs, but Mad Lib is an excellent producer. He has worked with the likes of Freddie. He's worked with the likes of MF Doom, uh, multiple collaborations with Jay Dilla, Kanye, Kendrick. He's, he's done it all. And he has a really uh, distinct style of like production. It's, it's very sample heavy, uh, very little in terms of like additional like instrumentation that he adds it's pretty much all samples and the way he samples is very interesting it like is very non-destructive whereas a lot of sampling you know and it's not that he doesn't edit the sounds at all but a lot of sampling is about like hey how can i make this like sound like something completely different and like my own uh whereas he's kind of like he's a big music fan He's like a vinyl digger. He just like, he like pays a lot of respect to what he samples. Uh, and I mean that in terms of like crediting payment, which are things that sometimes uh, get a little hairy with, with uh, samplers and producers. Uh, but he's very adamant about uh, respecting kind of like where the music comes from. Uh, and, and he like also is very, the way that he like puts the samples in the song is very pure. He doesn't really destroy them or mix them up too much. Like he chops them and he arranges them in very unique ways that are very transformative. But the sound itself is pretty similar to what is like on the original vinyl that he's sampling. Uh, and then Freddie Gibbs is a rapper uh, who has just been like, I think one of the most like consistently great rappers of this decade he he works a lot with with like a producer on an album which i think is is like one of those signs of like a, a rapper who really cares about their craft and doesn't just want like kind of take random beats from here and there uh but like so like he has this album with madlib and then bandana with madlib he has uh just last year he dropped alfredo with the alchemist and then he has uh his freddie ep which is mostly kenny beats uh, and he's really just kind of known for this like really gritty uh, Scarface cocaine slinging because uh, he as was a former drug dealer, uh, you know, so he, he comes from from that place. He, he speaks uh, his experiences and uh, yeah, he's he's got a really unique voice. He's got really harsh, like nasty flows. He's, he's a great rapper. I love I love my man, Freddie. That was so cohesive. Thank you, Jake. Go ahead, Riley. <laughs> um, awesome. um, I know that sampling is like a crazy risky thing to do just um, in terms of like licensing and it's incredibly expensive to do sampling. So um, I don't even know if I'm asking the question. It's just like, yeah, I love sampling, but uh, it is, it is, it's a, it's got a lot of weird gray zones. And like, I think it's a hundred percent like a valid form of, 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 art i think it's 100 percent uh transformative i mean if it's done properly but also yeah there are uh some we a lot of weird gray areas with it like legally but i think more interestingly just like 
as a creative person, like people have different perspectives on. Like I could care honestly less about what the law says about it, but I do think there's a lot of really interesting debates to be had about the like creative merit of it. Yeah, it's it's definitely kind of a like it's like a challenge. It's like, it's like a puzzle almost. Like you got to find the right track to sample, and you got to find the right part of the track to cut up, chop up, and you know you got to loop it into your track. You got to find ways to play with it, pitch it up, pitch it down, throw a filter on it cut out the lows, cut out the highs, you can get rid of the drums underneath. Like it's, it's, it, yeah, it's definitely hard. It's really fun. It's like a, it's like a logic puzzle almost. Yeah. I think my problem with it is maybe not a problem, but it's just like, I don't know when I hear like, I don't know, there's certain songs that I hear sampled in there, just like old, like classics, like T-Rex, Paul McCartney, like whatever it may be, like people using them as samples. And I'm like, immediately turned on of like oh I know the song I like this song and then it changes and I'm like wait that's not the song I thought it was so I just like I don't know I think I think it's also an ethical dilemma as you both mentioned um of like kind of building a, a song around somebody else's work where like I mean a lot of these artists that are sampling are really good at artists alone like standalone they are great artists it's just like I don't really I don't know. Personally, it doesn't really resonate with me when people sample. I, I think you can, I think a lot of people ask the same questions as about like um, remixing. Maybe they don't ask the same questions, but they, it's kind of in a similar realm, I think. I think it's easy to kind of tie the two together. Like, like sampling is obviously different than remixing, but um, like people don't necessarily have issues when Bloom remixes a pop song that comes out. People are excited about it, right? Um, I think you can you can kind of say the same thing about a lot of you know if, if you're like a hip hop head, like you really like hip hop, or you're really into classic music, but you also like hip hop. Like it's really cool a lot of the time to see like an old you know like if you get like an Ella Fitzgerald sample on like a Jay Z totally. song, like that is crazy, right? If you're really into that. But yeah, I, I definitely get where you're coming from, Riley. I, I think that there's, um, I don't know if you guys heard the Lil Uzi Vert song, um, That Way. It just yes. remixes um, Beastie Boys That Way, I believe. Beastie Boys? Is it Beastie Boys? Oh, Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys, yeah. Boys. I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, why do the Beastie Boys have to do with that? I know, it sounded fun. I was like, it's not Beastie Boys. Um, yeah, but like, you know, and it's a pretty one-to-one -one sample, I'd say, as far as sampling goes. But it's, it's an it's, interpolation, I feel like. Yeah, right? it's more interpolation. Yeah. Then you get into kind of that. It, yeah, I agree. Anyway. I, I feel agree. like something sampling does do is like potentially bring songs that are like really, really great classics back into like, like mm -hmm. you know, someone samples mm -hmm. a song mm -hmm. and then like people are like, oh, what was that? Like, I really liked that. I want to go listen to that. Mm -hmm. um, so it like, I think like Ella Fitzgerald's a great example or like Lee Moses or some, someone that's like, their discography isn't even on Spotify or something. And it's interesting to see like what that artist like really, really likes. Um, I don't think Elephant Fitzgerald's an example of that, but Lee Moses was for a while. Mm -hmm. Just seeing, first of all, what they like and then how those songs can like be, you know, reworked or brought back into something that is like new somehow in 2021 or whatever. For, I mean, for people I, yeah. who don't already know them, you know? <laughs> no, it's, it's, I mean, it's totally fair. I mean, I recognize that most of what I listen to is like older than me or my parents half the time. Um, so 
I, and I'm definitely not, I know so little about hip hop rap, like that whole realm. Like I'm just, I just want to learn more than anything. I don't, I don't mean to like offend or say anything against it. I'm just like, why does it speak to you? Cause I don't know how I feel about it. You could never offend in this podcast room. <laughs> hey, uh, you run this. You could yeah. off. That's, run that's sweet, but run's a strong word. <laughs> Does anyone want to start with our album? Yes. I will. Take initiative. Take initiative. First time in my life. So coming into this, it's weird. I think, honestly, when we were putting this together, I was kind of hoping that Tabimpa Butterfly would not be in this bracket because I feel like it is by... It's hard to vote against it. It's hard to vote against it, and I think it's hard to talk about it in any kind of meaningfully new way, um, because it is just such a huge influential album, and it's very important, and I think that at this point in 2021, I think most people can recognize that, or at least on some level understand the like influence that Tabampa Butterfly has had, and how big, especially at the time when it came out, it was. So that being said, I also have always struggled listening through to the Mental Butterfly from front to back. I don't know why. It's just something I was never really able to do until today. So I'll start talking about Pinata first, I guess then. Um, Pinata, I actually had, I've listened to it more times than the Mental Butterfly. And, and it's weird that it's kind of out here with no claim to it. Um, I think it's a really <laughs> yeah. solid album. And I really like Freddie Gibbs and his style of kind of rapping. And I think that throughout all of his projects, he's very consistent with, I think something that is impressive to me is how he works with all these kind of different producers and their different styles, but he's still able to incorporate them into his sound and kind of weave his lyricism through that and really find pockets in their beats that still kind of makes his whole discography really cohesive and so I think he does that really well on this album and I will say I think the features on this album are really good as well like he pulls in a lot of people that I think add to his sound a lot but then it's going up against Samantha Butterfly and I think it's very hard to in many cases vote against Samantha Butterfly like I would do it if it was an album that I personally was really attached to but also I listened to it all the way through for the first time today um went through so finally and I think I was absolutely blown away by it. Like, I think it is as important now as it was back in 2015 when it dropped. Um, Kendrick Lamar is obviously one of the greatest, like, rappers of all time. Like, he just has an incredible ability to kind of weave these tales and tell these stories across his albums. And for me personally, I really like his style of rap. And I think on Tabimpa Butterfly, I really enjoy the kind of, I think through most of the songs, there's kind of like a jazz ensemble type of backing to them. And I really, really like that style. And I think that um, Tabimpa Butterfly, aside from that kind of the cultural context, I think we probably all know that the whole kind of story there and all of that, especially with the Grammys and whatever happened years and years ago. But I think like musically, the album just really especially today, kind of just really connected with me and spoke to me in ways I hadn't before. And so I think aside from all of, the, obviously, the very important kind of context with it, 
I think the kind of storytelling across the album and the different production kind of jazz inspired aspects of it I really really enjoy I don't know anything about what happened at the Grammys or any of the anything can you dive into that for me a little bit yes maybe Cal or Jake would be they would probably know more about it but basically um so with the Grammys he was nominated I believe he was nominated for quite a few Grammys 2016 Grammy Awards and one of them was Best New Album, which he lost to Taylor Swift. Is that right? Taylor Swift was nominated for Best New Album in 2016. Which is so funny. So <laughs> <laughs> at first, I was confused at first because I thought you were talking about when uh, Macklemore beat Good Kid Mad City in 2014, which is also oh. insane. Also a travesty, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't even realize that happened, though. That's I'm pre- here, wait, I'll, I'll fact check myself here. Um, I think it's Taylor Swift. I think you're right. I, I also think that you're right. I, isn't that the... Taylor Swift beat Spencer Butterfly. That's such shite. That is a terrible album. So, okay, I just wanted to ask Lily if she hates Kanye or Taylor Swift more because those are (laughs) right here for me. Like, I just hate them both so much. Ooh, that's a good question. I'll think on that. I'll think on that. Get back to me. Um, The best part is they hate each other. So. They sure do, yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like when I listen to Kanye ripping on Taylor West, or Taylor West, Taylor <laughs> Swift, <West. laughs> when Kanye West married. rips on Taylor Swift, I'm just like, you know in what? A, in an alternate universe right now, there's a there's a Kanye Swift and a Taylor West, and they <laughs> love each other. No, they both Probably suck. <laughs> on albums and... Yucky. Oh. Um, Riley, back to your question um also just like the album i think that at that point 2015 was when a lot of stuff was happening with like black lives matter after i think was eric garner Mm. and oh and then of course a white girl comes in beats him out for best yeah so there was a lot of stuff because on to the butterfly he deals a lot with kind of these racial issues and so and i think he speaks a lot of very important things on the album about Mm. that and kind of um rap culture there's a lot of like articles and essays and whatnot out there that you can read that will probably explain it better than i am at this moment but that's kind of the gist of it um where at this point in time this album because obviously like objectively it's a really good like musical album um but very important kind of culturally dealing on these different topics um that were definitely coming up at that point in time and then it lost to taylor swift and the grammys so a lot of controversy on that. I don't know if Jake or Cal want to add anything or if Lily. I, I want to add something that's very, it's related, but not completely the same. I, this is again, in slight defense of, of Kanye, just because I do think he shouldn't <laughs> have done- playing his role, yes. <laughs> I don't think he should have interrupted Taylor at the Grammys, but- It was the VMAs, he, wasn't it? Uh, sorry, the VMAs, yeah. he is, First of all, 100% correct that single ladies is 100% more like relevant and culturally important than whatever. I don't even know what Taylor Swift song it was. So one, he was right about that, and he did not. Uh, he did not express this clearly. And this is a, uh, this happens a lot with Kanye, where he like almost makes a decent point, but he is so bad at expressing himself that also like the the race factor uh, of that of like Beyonce getting snubbed for that award was part of the reason why he was so upset. It's just not conveyed very well in that moment. 
that's no, all I have to say. No, all I was going to say, um, to defend my earlier point, I hate Taylor Swift eight times more than I hate Kanye. I think Taylor Yay. Swift sucks. <laughs> I, I just hate her. And I, I don't, I don't think he, I don't know. Taylor I don't Swift think he, is no longer a friend of the pod. I don't think she was. I think we already outcast her. <laughs> Did we already rip on her earlier? It was I probably me. I hate her. <laughs> I'm sorry. Talked, it's like there were her and Anne Hathaway. Like oh, right, 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 You right. can't compare her to Anne Hathaway because you have no reason to hate, hate Anne Hathaway. <laughs> I don't care. I hate them both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to the question, I think that I only is up and about. She's got to get some I thought she was about to <laughs> climb into the bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, my cat is bleeding for some reason, oh. and I was just like, oh, Bubba, what's happening? So now I'm oh. dabbing blood off of my cat's face. Oh, yeah. it, it is like, it is, I think, maybe closer for me than it is for Riley, though. I don't know that it's eight times more, but... I don't know why I hate her so much. I just think she's such a dumb bitch. I'm sorry. I'm so That's sorry. No, I don't know. Well, in defense of Taylor Swift, I don't hate her. I just have no real opinion of her. Yeah, I think the like true, true hatred of her comes from a very misogynistic place, but then it's like she does a lot of like uh, racist and homophobic things that you're like, but isn't that a good enough reason? Like it's just, it's just oh, both these know. people are all over the map on like reasons to hate them and not. So it's no, just tricky. <laughs> I just, it, you could be totally right. I hope I'm not coming from a misogynistic place, but I just hate how no, it no, I mean, like, to like, she's the like, yeah, yeah, let's not be homophobic. Like yeah. we love like, we love marriage equality. We love this, we love that, but she mm -hmm. only does it when it's convenient. And I'm just like, oh man, fuck yeah. you. You do this to pander to an audience. Like, Oh, I just hate it. I hate mm -hmm. it so much. Okay, I can go. Um, I really like To Pimp a Butterfly, and I think that that album is, like, really front to back incredible on its own and tells really great stories and is a lot of, like, very topical for the, like, 2015 Black Lives Matter time. And he, like, you know, in his sampling of Tupac, and just, like, everything is so cool and so well done, and it is not really an album that you can just like put on and be like oh it's in the background it's like it just takes your attention because it's so musically interesting to me anyway I think that a lot like that started a lot of the conversation about like why are awards shows so racist that we're still having in like every way where it's like some Netflix like tv show is like we're important in awards shows are like oh whoops you're important and it just speaks to how like all awards like Nobel Prize included like is is bullshit and is just like marketing yourself and like being palatable and being white and male and heterosexual so like us valuing these awards is like pretty dumb in my opinion um but then that being said like Kendrick then did get like a Pulitzer Prize for Love which was like incredible and, like the first rap album to ever get that but it's like there are so many well-written and beautiful rap albums that don't get any attention because they don't fit the thing. So it's like Kendrick brought so much attention to this that they were like, oh, okay, sorry. Like, sorry, we did that to you. Here you go. But it's like, that doesn't really solve the problem. But anyway, I think like To Pimp a Butterfly is like your brother said, one of the best albums of all time. I really like it a lot. I um, listened to it a good amount and like listening to it front to back in 2021 after everything that happened in 2020 with Black Lives Matter, I was like, wow, we are literally in the exact same place, if not a worse place than we were then because we didn't have this like white nationalist undertone to everything we were talking about. Like we didn't know that that was there quite as much. Um, 
so yeah, it just was, a, it was very interesting to listen to it recently and um, yeah, really, really liked it. And then Pinata also is a great album and I really like Freddie Gibbs for a lot of the reasons that we've talked about too. Like, I think he is definitely also one of the best rappers and like the rappers that I enjoy the most in his, it was either Jake or Zach. It was someone in their description of the album talking about how he can like work with all these people, but like make his sound be the predominant sound. I think that's really cool. Um, but yeah, it's just really hard because these are two such great rap albums when like even Butterfly was against like 1987 or whatever that album is called, 1989. It's like not even comparable. It's so stupid um, that we would have to be choosing between these two because this is obviously a much better mashup than any of the awards shows we're doing. Um, but I think I will go with September Butterfly. Cal, do you wanna go next? I mean, I think the answer is pretty obvious and you know, not to slight the sort of powerful sound that comes through on uh, Pinata, but I think To Pimp a Butterfly is just more of a significant album. And I think it has more of a, uh, I think Zach was saying palatable, um, was using palatable as a term earlier. Um, it, it's more palatable to kind of the average person. It grabs you, yes. Um, in a way that, uh, you know, I think, I think you have to really be into hip hop and not even just rap, but hip hop to really appreciate Pinata for what it is. Um, and I, lo I love Pinata, I love Freddie Gibbs. I think Freddie Gibbs is definitely one of the better rappers, um, you know, classic rappers of our, of, of, you know, this generation. And I think that it's, it's especially, you know, interesting that he, he's more of an underground rapper in a lot of ways. He's not a, you know, a two chains, a, you know, Kendrick even, he's not a, you know, any of these big guys who are constantly in the media, they're pushing out an album every, you know, year. And it's just a super pop sounding, trap sounding, super upbeat, up-tempo, you know, money, drugs, bitches, alcohol sound. You know, he, he's very consistent. I, I usually see him and he did an album with Currency, who's one of my favorite uh, artists too. Um, they're kind of in the same bracket of rapper. They're, they're underground. They're not super popular. They don't push and advertise their projects or their sound or their brand um, constantly all the time. They're not on social media doing crazy things and posting their newest car and posting their newest watch and saying, buy my merch, buy my blah, blah, blah. And if they are, it's to their niche audience of their core fans who will buy that and they know that. Um, you know, and they stay true to their sound. They're, they're the type of artists that haven't sold out, but have still managed to make their own lane and be very successful in that and still be able to kind of make the music that they want to make for the sake of making that music. Um, Freddie Gibbs is, you know, he, he has a super unique voice. It's this very, it, it's a little bit reminiscent of some of the older Tyler, the creator sound a little bit. Um, in that it's just, it's, he has this very deep, raw voice that, you know, he kind of, he's just kind of always, it's, it's very braggadocious. It's very, like Jake was saying earlier, he comes from, you know, he, he used to be a drug dealer. So he has this, you know, very like machismo, like macho style that, you know, it is, it's rap, it's real rap. It's authentic to the kind of this classic New York sound um, that a lot of people credit, you know, with kind of the 
birth of hip hop and rap music. But To Pimp a Butterfly is just so good. It's it's a, you know, it's more than a hip hop album. It's more than a rap album. It's more than a pop album even. It's, you know, it really is kind of its own thing. And like Zach said, kind of these jazz interpolations throughout the whole album. And, you know, you've got saxophones, you've got drum breaks, you've got all these different textures and layers and sounds that you hear in like, a, you know, a jazz ensemble, but with, you know, hip hop lyrics and beats in a very well polished, well produced, um, you know, package that just, it's just, it's banger after banger after banger. And it's not like every single song is a radio record, you know, it's got interludes on there, but, you know, Mortal Man, the last song is basically just him reading a poem, um, you know, it, and it's still like, it's just so, it just pervades popular culture, um, you know, even to today, like people will talk about how great the Pimp a Butterfly is, you know, and it's coincides with kind of this, the real takeoff of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, and you would hear all right at, you know, Black Lives Matter rallies all the time. Um, I'm pretty sure they had like promotional videos that they used that song in because um, it's just it's such an endemic album that really speaks to these authentic experiences that typically kind of get overlooked in music, even by artists who would kind of see themselves in the same bracket as Kendrick. Those artists don't really talk about a lot of the things he does on this album, even on Good Kid Man, Mad City, which I personally believe is a better album. Um, I think it's more important in terms of his discography personally, but I do concede that to move butterfly is culturally more important. Yeah, he just talks about these things that you just don't hear other rappers talking about. And because you don't hear other rappers talking about it, you don't hear other pop artists or any real artists talking about it, you know, because it is, it's such a unique experience to kind of this growing up around gang culture in, you know, California and Compton and, you know, being able to bring that out in an album that's so positive sounding, it's hopeful. It's an album that you listen to and no matter how well you can relate to the content, you come out of it feeling hopeful. Anyways, I'm gonna stop talking about it. Uh, Riley, you wanna go? Yeah, um, again, as I have stated on many of these albums, this is not necessarily my wheelhouse and, um, I feel kind of guilty for the fact that I've not really listened to either of these albums before. Um, to Pimp a Butterfly, I've listened to like maybe a few times here and there, but um, like I just have never sat down and listened to it on my own as a whole album. I've heard from other people like, you should be listening to this, you should be listening to this. And I feel like so stupid that I didn't have any idea about any of the cultural implications of it. It's just like, oh my God, you dumb idiot. Um, so personally, as somebody who doesn't listen to pretty much any hip hop on a regular basis, any rap, anything like that, um, I definitely found um, To Pimp a Butterfly, like everybody said, more palatable. I think the lyricism in both albums is crazy. It is like just unbelievable. It's, they were both incredibly moving and just made me feel despite the fact that they're both older albums, they are both incredibly pertinent to 2020 and everything um, going on with Black Lives Matter. And just like the fact that we are still here and that we're still talking about this and that it's still 
like literally no different than it was in 2014, 2015 is shocking and appalling. I think for me, I find a lot of connection with jazz just because of my own like personal feelings towards it. Like it's always been a music genre that I love and always been a music genre that I just like there's so many interesting cultural implications of like you know 60s jazz and avant-garde and um I just love that genre that's a whole other conversation so personally Kendrick's album really to speak it again grabbed me in the way that it's like oh my god these are really cool jazz samples like um all of the just everything happening in that album was just like blew my mind and I was so appalled with myself that I had never listened to it before all the way through because it was so fucking good it was so amazing just like fully musically I was just like totally emotionally affected by it musically affected by it like it just hit me in every single facet um and as somebody who doesn't listen to rap on a regular basis it just was like blew me away and I was just like what the fuck have I been doing like I've been listening to the wrong genres for my entire adult life and then, you know, the Freddie Gibbs album, I definitely enjoyed a lot. I found it um, to go back to Zach's vocabulary from the episode before this one, um, a bit grating, just in the sense that I didn't find a lot of um, diversity in sound on that one. It definitely seemed to be um, maybe not necessarily a bad thing, but it just was pretty much, it, it didn't seem to, for me, up been down a level it seemed to kind of stay in the same vein the whole time um and I found myself tuning out of it which um I think I would love to get it give it another listen I've listened to it a few times now but anyways um I think my vote goes towards to pimp a butterfly but I think that both of the albums made me feel like a dumb idiot because I don't ever listen to hip-hop or rap so Riley, I feel like a dumb idiot, and I do listen to hip-hop and rap, so don't, it's, it won't solve your problems. I know it seems like it will solve, no, you'll always be a dumb idiot. We know nothing. It's crazy. We know nothing. It's crazy. so fucking dumb. All right, Jake, do you want to round us out for the episode? Is this, am I the last one? think you're the last one. Ooh, all right. I have I have a lot to say and yep. <laughs> I'm going to start by trying to cover everything that I noticed that I wanted to comment on that y'all said. So first of all, matter of fact here, Callian, he's actually not from New York. He's from he's Indiana. From no, 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 no. I said I said oh. his sound is very reminiscent. Oh, the original. Okay. I was also going to comment on that, but I didn't want to have a posthumous moment. You know, I didn't want to make Callian look like an idiot for literally no reason. Um. But also, (laughs) I was just going to say it doesn't really matter that much. I was going to like, I like it's the only reason I was going to point it out is because like regional sounds are such a thing in hip hop. But like what you say, I I get what you're saying. That's fair. Um, It's that that more traditional boom bap sample. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Grady lyrics. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start with Pinata. I really love, as as is probably evident, Mad Lib, and I really love Freddie Gibb. I love Mad Lib a little more, but Freddie Gibb is sick too. Uh, I don't know, just these, these beats feel so like cool and classy and like, it's just like, you should be like sitting on a yacht, like drinking some, 
scotch or something as there's like piles of cocaine behind you. That's just, just the vibe you get listening to this album. Uh, and I think that pairs with Freddie's like commanding luxurious flows like peanut butter and jelly. It's just a match made in heaven. So it makes sense that they have made two full length records together because and possibly have one coming out soon. They've been teasing it. They've been teasing it. I they put uh, Freddie posted in. Okay, this is the other thing. Uh, you what did you say about <laughs> Freddie Gibbs's social media, Callian? I can't remember what you said. Uh, I I said they don't really like. Yeah, he he's very braggadocious in his lyrics and stuff, right? But as far as social media goes, he's not constantly plugging himself. Yeah, uh, he's constantly posting insane shit. He's constantly posting insane <laughs> clips. He got banned from Instagram because he posts the craziest, like, I don't know why Freddie Gibbs has taken it upon himself to post, like, the craziest clips of, like, weird sexual things and, like, yeah. people fighting. Yeah. And it's, it's so bizarre. Right? Didn't he get in a fight with someone really famous not too long ago? Like, if he posts oh, something... Oh, uh, Academics. TJ Academics. Yeah. Academics. Yeah, <laughs> I do remember that now. Such a con. He used to be somewhat Freddie... Yeah, Freddie took him to town, though. That was funny. But I'm mostly talking about, like, the stuff he would post on, like, his Instagram stories, if you've oh, ever yeah. seen that. It's, he got, I think he got banned. So now to talk, get back to the album, there's a lot of really kind of fun parts uh, that show kind of, like, I feel like a little bit of the behind the scenes and just, like, the vibe that was going on there when it's, like, at the end of Pinata's one example, when you have Freddie, like, just acapella singing outstanding, like, I love like those moments, super, super fun, super, uh, just gives, gives the album a nice character. Um, but then beyond that, I think Riley put it a good way. It, it's very, it's not that it's just like a collection of singles. I think it does cohesively flow as an album, but there's not a lot of up and down at all. It's like, it's just Freddie spitting over sick beats that's all the whole album is there's not much of an arc or like greater purpose which is all it needs to be uh but yeah i i think uh in terms of like having a really like sprawling narrative album that is that is not what this is that would have to go to to pimp a butterfly kendrick lamar of course which is as everyone has mentioned transition yeah i know that, that, that was, was that was off the cuff that was that was, that was good um but Pimp a Butterfly is an amazing album in pretty much every facet, the writing, the concept, the production, uh, and like the playing, like I, I love, I love sampling as, as we've discussed, but I also really appreciate how with this album that is like paying so much respect to like these like cultural and like artistic movements that are created by and like spearheaded and everything by the black community like jazz and funk that rather than just using samples which could have maybe been just as cool Kendrick actually gets Kamasi Washington and George Clinton and then more like contemporary names like Thundercat to like have their fingerprints all over this album as well so I think that really is, is great and they're all amazing musicians so it really takes the the instrumentals to like another level when you have Kendrick rapping over a freaking Thundercat bass line and it's it's just the best thing ever. 
Oh, this is this is something that I always just find kind of interesting because I, I hear this all get thrown around a lot with this album. And I, I know you said it, Zach. I don't know if anyone else said it, but influential. And I think that's I think it's kind of funny with this album because there's I cannot think of a single album that has come out since that sounds remotely like this or has even tried to. I think it is one of the most important and like best hip hop albums bar none. But I don't think anyone has really tried or come close to like, and I guess when I hear influence, I, I think like, oh, it like influenced me to do this. It like inspired me in this way. And it definitely has inspired a lot of people. So maybe maybe it's just a word choice and maybe I'm just being like nitpicky here. And I also don't think you're wrong or anything. Like that's just like how I see it. But yeah, I think it's, I always think it's funny when, when or I always think it's interesting when people say that it's like an influential album because not i feel like it stands on its own as like a really amazing testament to like yeah. a singular artist's vision well not there's a lot of artists on it but yeah yeah i definitely agree like i don't think it's probably definitely influenced albums but i don't think i can think of any album that's come close to it like you said i think definitely when people say influential in this case i think just more like culturally it's definitely a yeah. big yeah. moment yeah no for sure so like i totally get that I uh, I think it's it's just like a word choice more than anything, and it's it's just me being stupid. But uh, yeah, this I don't, I don't know. I don't I don't feel like there's like that much to say about to Pimp a Butterfly, as you pointed out, Zach. A lot has been said at this point. It's an amazing album. The boldness of of Kendrick is, I guess, one thing I'll like point out. Uh, like his like fearlessness to like cover all these really like touchy subjects that like are a huge a huge part of like the backbone of hip-hop is like right talking about like uh racial issues and class issues and, and all these like things uh but he really he really goes for it like he's not afraid to like hold any punches like the one that like always stands out to me the most because i just feel like the the like call out that he does like for obama i just think is really is really brave because you know a lot not a lot of not a lot of people would, would do that because, you know, he's obviously, he was a pretty popular popular president for, for some good reasons, but there's also, you know, plenty to criticize there as well. And I think the fact that Kendrick is, is willing to go for that when that's not the easiest, it's not the same as like writing a bar about Donald Trump. Like literally anyone will criticize Donald Trump, but like, I, I, just, I just respect that aspect but like that's just one tiny thing that he talks about and like the many many crazy places that this album takes you and it like it create it's just like such a world that it creates like it it's everything about it it's it's amazing i love this album uh so even though i love pinata i'm definitely going to have to go with Pimp butterfly yeah i i just want to add really quick to what he was saying about like speaking on like speaking on all these issues um like he doesn't yeah, I agree. He's, he's not holding back any punches, but at the same time, it doesn't really feel most of the time like he's actively punching, if that makes sense. Like, it feels very natural and like he's just telling some stories, mm -hmm. um, you know, and it, it feels like all of the punches that he's throwing are ones that you kind of inference from the story of whatever song is, you know, playing, um, which I think is really hard to recreate. And like you were saying about kind of the more musical side of influence, 
I think that's why we haven't heard a lot of, you know, sort of recreations or adaptations of this sound um, because it's so hard to recreate that natural feeling with kind of this jazzy hip hop production sound um, because most artists just can't do that. They don't have the voice for it. They don't have the, the you know, lyricism for that. They don't have the songwriting ability for that. And they've they got the, the jazz connections. Yeah, well, and they certainly don't have like the, you know, the ability to put an entire project like that together um, and make it flow so naturally and seamlessly, you know, in, in an engaging way. So. Yeah, I think the overall feeling of it is a lot more, um, at least from a very unnuanced, unknowing perspective, it just, it felt a lot more um, sad. Um, there's one song where he's just like, like wheezing, like literally just like, uh, like the most painful kind of crying I've ever heard and it's just more of like a deep like I don't know just like kind of conveyed a lot of deeper desires rather than like I'm angry like you know which I think is an easy way to feel it's more just like deep sadness is the way that it was conveyed to me which I thought um, I mean right on par with circles and Mitski like it just kind of hit me in the same way where it was just like oh ouch <laughs> Um, anyway, let's vote. Are we ready? We're doing it. Okay, Zach, you're anxious. Go. The pimp of butterfly. Thank you. I need that. Okay, you're welcome, Riley. The pimp of butterfly. Cal. Pimp of butterfly. Jake. Butterfly. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. We got we five votes. We all agree. Freddie Gibbs. Freddie Gibbs. Please. Um, you're still a friend of the pod. Friend of the pod, please. Like, yeah. Up against any other album. Mad Up Lib. against any of the Kanye's, you would have won. Madlib, if any of drop Mad Gibbs want to come that over, would be great. do something with us, get us some content. We love you guys. Madlib, you know, we already wrote about you. You are 100% a friend of the pod. You oh, have yeah. oh, absolutely. Friend of Crave. Hell yeah. All right. Butterfly is just a hard one to beat. I don't think it's hard. I don't think. Gangster Gibbs or Madlib would disagree with that. So yeah, next week we're gonna have a ten-hour episode. Ah. <laughs> uh, we really did almost go for four hours, dude. <laughs> oh, We've got "I Need to Start a Garden" by Haley Hendrix, "Igor" by Tyler the Creator, "Crushing" by Julia Jacklin, "Toy" by a giant dog, "Pimp Butterfly" by Kendrick Lamar, "Circles" by Mac Miller, "Melodrama" by Lord, and "My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy." by Kanye West. These are good-ass pairings, man. Yeah, I am, frankly, remiss that SZA is not on this list, and Kanye is. It hurts me deeply. I feel you. I'm so sorry. I, When we get to next week, I want to like talk about SZA and soft sounds again, because I have more things to say. But And I have more things to say about a giant dog, because I didn't say anything last week. Yay. We can uh, revisit next week. A little recap. Next week should be faster, right? No, we said that no last next week's week. gonna be next week is Lower actually gonna be long. It's we have exponential. To get through, we have to get through eight and then vote through like. Yeah, but we've already four. we've already talked about them. Like, That's not like, like why we like them. Yeah. I think this yeah. one actually will be faster. Like, You're right. Kyle. Yeah, I You're hope right. so. Not with me. Hey, not Zach. with me in the room. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm so tired. Hey, you know what I'm gonna say. 
Zach is I am. And this is also like my favorite thing that I do all week. This is so fucking Honestly, fun. same. This I is have the best fun. time. Like nothing, I want to do nothing more than talk about music for four hours over Zoom. Like in person would be ideal, but like this is the most fun I have. So yeah, I, I know you're visiting your like stupid girlfriend or whatever, Zach, but some of us are profoundly alone and this is the most fun we ever <laughs> have. So. Exactly. It's like, this is the thing I have to look forward to. So it's just just give me this one week, then I'll I'll be right there with you. Let us know how you feel on next yeah. week's episode, Zach. I can I can outro us. I think I can plug all of our, our socials. <clears throat> this has been the second week of our bracket challenge. Thank you for listening to Crave the Podcast. Follow us on YouTube and Spotify to get the podcast. Go to the Crave the Sound website to see our most recent podcast and written pieces. And then follow us on Instagram to see all of our content and just get really fun updates. Thanks for watching. If you made it this far. A lovely outro. Yay! Yay! I thought you were going to plug each of our individual socials. I was like, (laughs) that's it. I was like, go ahead. Follow Callian at Callian on Instagram. I'm just trying to beat the record for the followers, so don't follow me. Riley and I have you beat there. Oh, yeah, we have nothing. Help me out by unfollowing me. <laughs> do we want to wave or do we want to do something new at the end of this one? Let's go like. Oh, yeah! Bye! 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 Bye. 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 Bye.